you found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics. Civility? How about honesty in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff. It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a big home improvement market in Detroit. <laughs> we are definitely going to get letters. You're listening to Talk Radio's Strangest Animal. You're a strange animal. That's what I know. You're getting louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, I'm in the speedy to Glad to be with you. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. That's the sound of the weekend, and what a week it has been. Gosh. Uh, producing with me in video studio, as always, is Not Gay Jared. You can follow him on Twitter at Not Gay Jared. I fulfill my legal obligations. Draw your own conclusions. Not Gay Jared is already looking at Hopper, chewing on the squirrel. He is. He's just demolishing it. He hey, just, Hopper, stop it. Just going for it. Later in the show. It adds character later on. At the, at the outset, it's just distracting. We're going to get to a lot this program. We have Dinesh D'Souza. On. A lot of people were saying when we tweeted this out, do you actually have Dinesh D'Souza on or is it just you doing an impression of Dinesh D'Souza? Uh, to you, I say, I don't know what you're talking about, but Dinesh D'Souza is on this program. Joey Salads will be on. Some people are saying, who screens your guest? L- listen, I get that Joey, he's like internet sort of jackass stuff to pull some weird pranks, but he's also come out of the closet as more conservative, has faced some backlash. It's an interesting story. Later on, we'll have yep. Super Mexican. Not sure yet, maybe not confirmed Chad with AIDS because something happened here behind the scenes. I don't want to say it involves the AIDS. No. Um, but a lot has happened. You know, it's funny. Sometimes we do this show once a week. Obviously, hashtag never daily. And Milwaukee, we didn't really talk about last week. If you go back... It happened after the show, I think. Right. It was corn yeah. gains we were talking about. And now that's sort of died down a little bit. But obviously, that's the main... I mean, it dominated the headlines up until Wednesday. Yep. So we will get to some other stories later on. We'll get about uh, get into the... Amy Schumer, the recent uh, rape hint, it's not really about rape, uh, in stand-up comedy. Larry Wilmore, whose show is canceled, guess why he thinks it was canceled? I'm going to go on uh, racism. Stop it. You're supposed to foreshadow. You're not supposed to ruin it. Foreshadowing. We're supposed to be a little little less predictable than Comedy Central, but I'm sure you could have guessed that. We also have this week in social justice outrage because there was so much. We had so many. We're going, well, do you want to make this a segment? There's there's about five or six from this week. What do we have? We have uh, Cam Newton, Black Olives Matter, Ellen DeGeneres, Ryan Lochte. We're just going to sandwich it into one segment. do about 12 segments worth, which which is, is a whole show. You could do a whole show, show, whole show on the outrage. All right. Speaking of outrageous, that's what we call a segue. We have uh, right off the bat CNN. So this happened this week with Milwaukee. Well, let's just kind of give you the ins and outs of Milwaukee. First, uh, a guy, uh, Silville Smith. Yep, Silville Smith was shot by a police officer. So Black Lives Matter, you know, man the cannons, and uh, they waited for precisely zero facts. Started as as one does, rioting and burning stuff down in the streets. One might call it a trend, Stephen. One might call it a trend. Causation does not equal correlation, nope. regardless of how many CVSs get burned down. Um. So this was going around, and CNN, God bless them, the beacon of, of uh, journalistic integrity that they are, they ran a segment uh, from the, the, the perpetrator slash victim's sister, and she was caught. This is the original thing. They re- this is the original video they released on CNN. Let's just let you watch this, and then we'll show you why it matters. With his sister calling for peace. Don't bring the violence here and the ignorance 
Milwaukee police say they made multiple arrests overnight. We're still waiting on those final numbers. So there you go. That's what they ran. Sister bringing calls to peace. Don't bring the violence here. It, you would watch it, and it seems like seems, she's saying, seems, yeah. She's saying, hey, all three, Black Lives all Matter. Four words of it. Yep. Act like adults. Let's stop this. Let's come together. Let's unify. Um, sometimes context changes things. Now, I don't want. I don't want to preface. I don't want to taint your opinion before you see the full context. So let's parental warning. Yeah, parental warning. This is what she actually said. Did she say, I need our weave? A weave? It must have been. I thought she said weed at first. I thought she said weed at first. But you don't so, wear weed unless maybe you're smoking weed. Just to be clear, be we talk about context over content a lot. Yeah. They said she was calling for peace, stop burning stuff down. Some would argue the context has changed when she was in fact saying the opposite of that. Some would argue, yeah. When she says, go to the suburbs, burn their stuff down. The opposite tends to, yeah. That happened in uh, in Detroit. Gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the mayor, but he said... All, all y'all bad mother efforts hit eight mile. And that was a big thing with white flight. So I don't know. I, you know, you, you tweet me at Crowder what you think of that shit. Here's the thing. Editing uh, always happens. Right? People say you edit. Well, editing, any video that's ever been run in the history of ever is edited if you select an in and out point. I understand that. So everything is selectively edited. What matters is if you edit it to change the context or subvert the meaning of what the person said. That's when you get into journalistic malpractice. That's when you get into being dishonest. One could make the case that them saying she was calling for peace when, in fact, she was calling for violence wasn't the proper context. Would seem reasonable. But that could be racism. That could be. Now, enough people thought that that CNN... Had to, had to do this, God bless them. Now, I want to take a moment to clarify something from Monday. We had a report that inadvertently and wrongly characterized the plea from a Milwaukee woman whose brother was killed by police. As our viewers saw, she demanded that the violence stop in her community, but in fact, she also said that protests should instead take their violence to the suburbs. I regret that second part of her statement was not included. <laughs> Here's the deal. Do you think, how many, if you see Ugh. one, how many more do you think have actually occurred? I regret that that portion was not included. Literally, unless you, unless someone is sitting in the editing room at CNN going, all right, listen, I don't have a lot of time. Four seconds, we're good, we're good, and walks off. She goes into it so quick. A randomly selected four seconds of that, because yeah. that was like, that, that wasn't was, a long some would argue that was the meat of her. Uh, it of occurred her. within three seconds of each other. And that clip is so small. It was such a small little slip. If you went one frame to either side of it, you would have gotten it. You would have gotten it. <laughs> if you'd watch, okay, it's like, all right, listen, Johnson, intern, here in the editing suite, show me this. We don't, you know, stop burning stuff down. Okay, where does this go? Three seconds later, burn this sh- down in the suburbs. Burn it down. Hmm. What to include? What? Or unless he just heard, unless he went in and watched a three-second clip, well, don't burn stuff down. That's all I need. Run it and walked out. No one's doing that. Of course they knew. They couldn't possibly have not known. Not Gage is writing this down. I'm gonna have to hit the dump button for terrestrial. So if you if you if the the, the mistake they made here was they were <laughs> caught. They were caught like Brian Williams in 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 the copter, like Dan Rather with the documents. So, and this is, the reason they do it is because they've whipped people up into a, a race war right now. We know that. Black Americans, this generation of black Americans will be far worse off than the previous two generations. 
They will because of corn gains, because of situations like this, because of the media uh, coddling them, being complicit. They're going to be far worse off because of the victim complexes. They've never known any kind of racial healing because they've reopened those wounds deliberately. Let me, Jared will bring up a picture here. The guy who was shot by the police officer, this is him. What a, Seville, Mr. Smith, what an upstanding young citizen. What's funny about that Glock he's holding, you know there's a round in that chamber. Oh, yeah. And his finger's on the trigger. And that's, there's that's no a, safety in a Glock. There's no safety. There's the trigger <laughs> safety, but his finger's on the trigger with a round in the chamber aimed at the camera. So either he has an unbelievable selfie stick or someone is in grave <laughs> danger. So this guy had a gun, refused to drop it. Police officer shot him. Not an upstanding citizen. Thug, you mean? Yep, thug. Absolutely. Look at that picture. Thug was invented for that guy. Also, I have it up on my screen. Little known fact, the officer he shot was black. So here we have black guy shoots a black officer. Uh, the black officer shoots a black. Gosh, it's just so much black. So much black. It's not black on black crime. It was black on black justice with this police officer. You have an idea how hard it is to be that police officer? It is. I, I do not envy black police officers in the United States today. In Detroit, mm -hmm. where my dad used to live, the Percheronis, their dad was a police officer in Detroit. And he said, man, black police officers in the city, they had to take a, a far route to their house because they couldn't be tracked. They had to be extra careful because they were seen as traitors. So this officer... I don't know how many of you have heard of this. You certainly didn't hear about it through through the media when it broke. Was Black who shot him. And they knew that all along. It took about three seconds of digging. It came out the day after the first Milwaukee riots. So, this brings us to Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Clark, who we've talked about, who was great. We ran this on the site. People loved it. No one else ran this. And this is why this is so important. No one ran this at all because it was taken from a long-form press conference. It's easy to get into cable news and hear Sheriff Clark on with Bill O'Reilly where people are competing for sound bites. Here's the deal. Why I like that guy is he's so much better when he's authentic and mm -hmm. you watch the full speech. So this was, what, a 16-minute speech, something like that? Yeah, at least a good 10, 11 minutes. Good 10, 11 minutes. Yeah. It's all worth watching uh, when he's more subdued. But here, here's something that he said that I think really resonated with people and enraged some. The police use of force... Uh, serves as, as an igniter, there's no doubt, but, but to an already volatile um, situation, a volatile mix of urban pathologies, failed urban policy that exacerbates inescapable poverty, failing public schools, inadequate parenting, father absent homes. We all know when fathers are not around to shape the behavior of young boys, they oftentimes grow up to be unmanageable misfits that we the have police the have to deal part? with in an aggressive he fashion. He doesn't say that in this clip. He doesn't say that in this clip. Pathologies uh, like... Well, what he did say is he said, stop talking about fixing police officers. Fix the ghetto. And that's the recap of everything you just talked about. Fatherless households. Uh, uh, failed policies. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, listen. <clears throat> Detroit, Baltimore, Chicago, Oakland. These are not bastions of freedom. These are not places where black people are better off. Donald Trump was talking about this in a speech, and he was right about that. The people who are hurt are law-abiding black citizens. Milwaukee, people called me on this. I, I included it among cities that were under far Democratic left rule. Mm -hmm. They said, no, that's not true, because Milwaukee actually had a mayor who was a socialist, an oh, actual well, socialist. Go. Well, he goes on to say the only two worst schools in the country are Cleveland and Detroit. And then I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, that they're that bad in Milwaukee. Yeah, I was just thinks. in Milwaukee recently. So this is important when you see the media sort of unravel it. Oh, gosh, we have to go to a break. We'll talk about it more. And uh, I've got an airline for story for you after the break that Jared demand I tell. Mm -hmm.
Carol Costello for CNN. It has been brought to our attention that there were some mild but important inaccuracies in last night's newscast that we need to correct. Firstly, the video that we showed you from Milwaukee of the victim's sister calling for peace was actually selectively edited to cover up the fact that she was calling for violence. Other corrections to be made from last night's broadcast, Lena Dunham was in fact not raped, Donald Trump did not beat a small child, and I am not STD-free. Also, unfortunately, we were incorrect with a few of our tornado warnings. We were off by approximately 152 miles, resulting in the deaths of 184 innocent civilians. We're sorry about that one, too. Finally, it is my legal obligation to inform you that myself, as well as my colleague Anderson Cooper, have been legally barred from referring to ourselves as actual journalists. Stay tuned for this night's broadcast after the break. Glad to be back with you, but not really. Not really. I got cut off there. I was I was trying to bring that thing to a crescendo and I missed it because we tried to we had to, so much to fit in. We should have made that into two segments. I do love Sheriff Clark. He might be on the show sometime soon. Actually, really, we reach out to him. The guy's That's just so to me. busy. He is so busy. It it is amazing. You watch Milwaukee. You look at Baltimore. It, it, we've gotten to a point. We've talked about this. I was watching Stranger Things when we grew up, and there were black kids who were in our circle of friends. You didn't really think about it that much. That's all it is now. And this is sort of the, the, the fragmenting of entertainment period online. People are able to get things so specialized. But do you think Family Matters could have occurred today? Oh, gosh. Think about this. Family Matters and Fresh Prince. Think about this for a second. I was talking with my dad about this. Family Matters, the dad is a cop, an all-black family. The star, the dad is a cop. Well, Urkel notwithstanding, he's the real star. He melted our it's hearts true. and entered our he souls. He captured the nation's hearts. Fresh Prince, the dad was a judge. Yep. And Cosby, he was a doctor, but but that's not as bad. The point is, judge and, cop. judge and cop. These are the people they sure. hate. Yeah, there. I don't think there's any way. Could you imagine today if they tried to release a sitcom, an all black sitcom, where the dad was a cop or a judge? Mm-mm. I don't think it would exist. Stop banging your damn pen. It's a good pen. You think you're that guy from Goldeneye? He's not invincible. Sometimes. Speaking of which, so this was a story. Jerry was saying we should talk about this on air. I don't know why. Um, we were taking a flight. Now, here's, here's the preface. Well, how is this political? We're going to have Dinesh D'Souza on after the break, and we'll, we'll get back into more of it. When you want to think of industries that you can't stand, think of the ones that either have the most government intervention or have been bailed out. Happy with your health insurance? Um, big energy? Big pharma? Airlines? Never-ending supply of bailouts with airlines? Mm-hmm. Think about it with airlines. They don't need to accommodate you because... They're never going to go under. Nope. The government's going to... It's too important. It's too big to fail. Big banks, you happy with your service at Bank of America? Worst case scenario, they just merge. Right. They just merge. So they yeah. merge and get bailouts. That's the that's the system of airlines. So that's why the service is so bad. I don't know that Southwest has done it where they tend to have the best service. They do. So Nakia, Jared, and I were, were traveling across the country with um, the full staff because... Hence, not Southwest. Right. Not Southwest. Hint, hashtag never daily because that, that was not where we were going. 
or looking at any studio space. So we went out. We're going out there, and we book an American Airlines flight. We get on the flight. It's been a long day. I say, hey, you know, I, I would like to uh, I would like to get a, a beer for me and my friends on, on the flight. One beer. Sam Adams. That's all I had. Uh, sure. So they bring it out. Now, Jared seems to think I was out of line. I'm not entirely sure. You be the judge, and you can tweet me. They bring it out, and I give them a card. They say, oh, sorry, we don't take cards. We only take cash. American Airlines actually takes cards and not cash the last time I flew them. Most of them only take cards. Most card. of them only take cards. Yep. I said, I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Is there any way you could you know, write it? I don't have any cash on me. At this point, the, the, the beer is out. And she cough said, 2016. Cough, yeah, cough cash. 2016. And she goes, you know what? Let me, talk to my, let me talk to my supervisor. I'm sure we can do something. Goes back and talks to the supervisor, who I'm guessing maybe had a bad day, comes barreling down the aisle. I think she had a bad, a bad, a bad couple thousand days. A bad couple thousand days. Yeah. Comes barreling down the aisle. She goes, um, cash only. Cash only. Cash only. I said, well, I listen, I, I said, I, I can't know that. I said, I, I'm just saying I have a card. The beer's here. I'm not trying to steal it from you. I just don't have cash. And honestly, she goes, cash only on American Eagle. I said, I, it's, my ticket says American Airlines. I bring it up. It says American Airlines. I said, it doesn't say American Eagle anywhere in this plane. It does. It does. It's just on the Out, outside. Outside. <laughs> on the inside, it actually said United, if you looked at it. Yep. It was an old United plane. And at this point, everyone is turning and, and listening. And she says, well, I said it before we left off that it's cash only. I said it right before, right at takeoff. I announced it, all. <laughs> I announced it on the intercom. And this is where it escalated. And I, I, I just, I said, something, oh. Something snapped. So I was supposed to use the onboard ATM amidst takeoff to ensure that I had cash on me. And she went, she's like, well, well, you know, I, I'm fine. I'll get you the beer. It's going to come out of my paycheck. I said, I'm not, I don't want it to come out of your paycheck. I'm trying to give you my money. I just don't have cash. It's 2016. At this point, people <laughs> on the plane, Jared was there. Jared was there, as was his brother. They turn it's- and they say, my... Oh, I'm busy. Yes, exactly. This is where you can just <laughs> see the glow of screens as they're about to tape this. That's what I thought. Instead, they all... It was like a mini revolution on the plane. People had had it, and I think people just said, oh, wait, this guy's not... It put Les Mis to shame, I yes. tell you what. I think they said, oh, wait, this guy's not taking her crap. Yep. And five people go, um, my ticket says American Airlines, too. <laughs> And she goes, well, well I, it's regional. It's regional. American Eagle. I said, I don't know that it's regional. Can you take my money? Can I get a beer? She goes, what's going to come out of my paycheck? I said, okay, well, then forget about it. This isn't, even, this isn't even fun anymore. She goes, well, I've said too much. I shouldn't have told you that it came out of my paycheck. I'm like, you shouldn't have done any of this. This is not the point where you cut it off like you shouldn't have talked about yeah. your paycheck. You should have not done anything that you have done. This is a series of horrible decisions. It's not our fault she's been working there since before the internet was created. And then... This is the kicker. Probably start on prop planes. She left, and she came back, and she asked me my name and ticket number, as well as, my brothers. as your brothers, and went back with a scowl. And we were like, ah, this, this is how you get put on a no-fly list. You want to buy a Sam Adams, you only have a card, you don't know that it's a regional jet, and she was furious. Oh, oh, that's not it. That's not it. And then she goes on the intercom. She goes on the intercom. I swear to you. This is, this is t- 10 minutes later. Uh, for passengers who are not yet aware, even though I announced it as we took, as the plane took off. You're a little more German in there. We accept cash only. Only cash. Like, seriously, she was the, the flight attendant Nazi. <sighs> only cash. If you see something, say something. We could, and everyone was sitting there going, can you believe this? Here, here's the bummer. Real big bummer. She comes back finally with some beers. Only two. Only two. <laughs> So not gay Jared. We all had two thirds of a beer. Yeah, we all had two thirds of a beer. So I guess there's a socialist message there somewhere. 
Um, she was trying to be. It, it was just. It was unreal. And I'm sitting there going, "Gosh, this is someone. This is just a glorified real at the end of the day. A glorified welfare queen. She's doing this on my tax dollars. Mm-hmm. If I if I go through uh, my, my tax returns, I'm sure I can find that I've I've paid American Airlines enough through bailouts to to earn a beer. Well, American Eagles. I don't know what goes to American Eagle. <laughs> anyway, tweet me. I want to get your emails this week. Your worst airline stories. Because I don't think I was out of line. Jared and his brother were horrified that I had the the that I had. It the was reaction. a true curb your enthusiasm. When I said, you weren't wrong. Oh, I was supposed but. to use the onboard ATM. You could hear the proverbial cocking of heads <laughs> as they said, "I'm going to get." And you know what? That just shows you. It only takes one person to go against the grain. Everybody joined in and were showing their tickets, going, "This is unbelievable." So it might seem like a small battle. But I started a revolution on American Airlines because I had a card and I wanted beer. Dinesh D'Souza coming up after this. There's a segue. And now, Roger Ailes advises Donald Trump. Okay, listen, frankly, I'm thrilled. Okay, I think we've got a crack squad here. We're really going to turn this thing around, all right? Because truthfully, all right, frankly, i got to be honest with my voters, okay? I can, I'm not going to pivot. I'm not Scotty Pippen. I'm going to be me. Okay, Roger, I want to... R- Roger. Hey, Roger, quit motorboating Megan Kelly. We got work to do, okay? Hey, r- r- Roger, quit motorboating Megan Kelly. Stay tuned for more. Glad to be back with our next guest. Uh, never sure if he's, people never know if you're amused by the dancing or immensely uncomfortable. No one knows. We're all uncomfortable. He has a film out right Some now. Degree. It's just going gangbusters. A book of the same name. Uh, Hillary's America. You already know who he is. You can run a Google search and find him. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, thanks for being here, sir. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. And uh, full disclosure, people listening, Dinesh and I have worked on side projects before. So people go, why don't you have Dinesh on? And I'm like, well, he's, he's really busy and he's uh, above the show. So let's, uh, let's just not drag him through it. But your film and the, the book is, is doing really well. Obviously, you had kind of Obama's America before. Um, was the goal deliberately to try and affect the election or just to educate people? Um, well, the goal is to um, educate people in an election year. So I would say there's, there's some of both. Um, the Obama film that I did four years ago was just about one man. It was just about the secret history of Obama because so little was known about him. Right. But right. Obama was an isolated guy. In some ways, he's been detached from the Democratic, his own party, mm-hmm. for eight years. Uh, Hillary is the leader of a gang, and it is this progressive gang. It's the Democratic gang. So. Rather than make a movie just on Hillary, I don't think she's quite as interesting as Obama, to be honest. I decided to make a movie on the Hillary gang. How did it get started? What kind of rackets did it pull? What happened when it got busted? How did it go onto new things? How did it cover up its tracks? So it's actually it's a little bit of a, a Godfather movie, I have to say. Right. Well, okay. So speaking well, okay, of that, you make an airtight, airtight case, case, and uh, people and should definitely, should definitely watch, watch it. But that brings us that to brings us when to... you debated Chank of the Young Turks. I watched this. I thought, okay, I'm going to have to see this, having been on YouTube and seeing Politicon and what they do. And 
I remember, okay, let me lay the foundation for people who haven't seen it. We've talked about this. Right away they debate. I'll let Dinesh describe it. I thought, well, this is a different animal from what Dinesh is used to because people are usually respectful. Uh, he's debated people like Christopher Hitchens. I, I'm not sure Sam Harris or Dawkins, but they repeat debate because mm -hmm. they have mutual well, respect. And, yeah, in this and, and politically, I've debated Jesse Jackson. Uh, I've debated the guys on the far left. I debated Bill Ayers at Dartmouth. Uh, actually, we did a couple of debates, one in Michigan, I believe. So I've debated not only the liberals, but the far left. So in that sense, I'm accustomed. But generally, my approach has been to maintain good relations with these guys, to have a debate that's feisty but cordial, uh, and that has some respect for intellectual integrity. In other words, a debate in which you won't have somebody who ignores facts or pretends that things that are true are not true. Uh, and so with Cenk, this was a, quite a surreal experience because I'm not <laughs> quite, I'm not, I wasn't quite accustomed to a creature like, like Cenk. Well, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely true. He's gone after me for a long time and then provided no recourse. So we did a parody of it and we've done parodies kind of even on the show with it. Um, I remember the first thing he put up, he goes, your own audience thought you lost. Right afterwards, he puts up a Twitter poll and that flipped not long after, once people, because you have those initial people liking and downvoting things before they've watched you know, it's, it. It's, it's kind of a silliness because obviously, I mean, I have a, uh, a following that is many times the size of his. So I could easily overwhelm him in any of those sorts of polls. But I was thinking really just more of the actual debate itself where, he, you know, he'd say things like, you know, you say that blacks were better off under slavery. And I say, no, I don't say that. But what I say is what Muhammad Ali said. You know, Ali, of course, when he came back from the rumble in the jungle, made the famous remark. Someone asked him, hey, champ, what do you think of Africa? And he goes, thank God my granddaddy got on that boat. But, but behind the, the sort of pungent remark, Ali was making a serious point, which is that, look, his great, great, great grandfather was worse off. But he, Muhammad Ali, is better off for living in America. He wouldn't be the world champion if he had been born in probably in some other place like Afghanistan. So he's making an obvious point that the descendants of slavery uh, are, 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 are lucky in, to be living in the, in, the, in the orbit of Western freedom. So I'd make a point like this, and Cenk would start laughing uproariously. Uh, there you go. That's just what I said. You're the, you know, so... How many hands think slavery is good? Do they think slavery is good? Of course it's not good, right? I would watch this it. Kind of, it's a kind of intellectual thuggery, and I, what I don't know if it is if he's a sophisticated man who's putting on an act or if he actually is what he presents himself to be, which would, of course, be far worse. <laughs> well, God, talk about, this is what <laughs> he's very cordial, but it cuts like a knife oh. even worse. Ooh. I mean, and the funny thing is he would bring up stuff that you've already, this is what I've noticed, and, and uh, I say this respectfully because, like you said, you've been with people who are intellectual heavyweights, and I think you would probably agree, win some, lose some, you know, it goes back and forth, you've had better nights <laughs> and worse nights, but I've always known you to maintain good relationships, as you've said. Um, in this case, the technique is different, and I want to get into, because you've sort of bridged more traditional media with new media better than a lot of people you debate and i think a lot of people you've debated they're arguing to try and convince the audience of their argument people like jank and this is sort of generational this new generation of far leftists they use the audience to try and intimidate their opposition did you notice that stark contrast yeah, well, Cenk had a kind of a robot crew that was in the audience. And, and I think these were real people, but they might have been robots. I'm really not sure. But in any event, every time Cenk would say something, including the most pedestrian statements, like he would mention George Bush, this audience would then mechanically jump up and down and start shouting and applauding. So almost like Cenk was controlling them through a kind of a device of some sort. Um, it was unbelievably frightening because these are young people who are in a 
formative stage of life and you think there would be some intellectual openness, some curiosity, that their idealism would have some search quality to it. Uh, but no, these appear to be just sort of, uh, you know, uh, either paid robots or just mechanized robots. And so you got you got a sense of what, you know, these when when you think of the mass movements of the 20th century, people cheering for Castro or cheering for Stalin, uh, this sort of thing, this mass phenomenon, I got a little glimpse of it in Politicon that that day. Uh, okay, a couple quick questions. Did you and Cenk shake hands off camera? Was he friendly? Did you, did you make nice or no? I was certainly cordial with him, but I think what, what upset me wasn't so much his personal incivility. It wasn't that. It was just more that there was a certain kind of uh, intellectual uh, unwillingness to. Like he'd say something like, you know, well, as you know, Dinesh, all the, the Dixiecrats in the Democratic Party then became Republicans. <laughs> and I would say, well, I'm familiar with the case of Strom Thurmond, but can you name a second case? Now, obviously, he couldn't, but he would say something like, there you go again, using your good old debating tactics. Now, of course, we're in a debate, so you think debating tactics would kind of be, if anywhere, that they'd be legitimate, it would be there. But <laughs> this unwillingness to even, you know, entertain a counter-argument, uh, I, I just got the sense that I was debating a wall. But was he or, nice to you afterward? Was he nicer? Because he was incredibly uh, malicious and personal. Um, yeah, you know, he was he was uh, he was cordial, but in, he wasn't friendly. And by the way, you know, just by way of comparison, if I look at the the whole um, the whole range of the atheists, for example, Hitchens and I were were genuinely friends. I mean, we would have right. a pizza after the debate. Now there are other guys I've debated, like Daniel Dennett, you know, more pompous and so on. And and uh, so Dennett was the kind of guy who kind of felt like outside the debate he should be cordial but not friendly. Uh, and Cenk was, uh, was that way. He was withdrawn, uh, didn't say much. You know, he shook my hand and so on. But uh, the, it, it was the intellectual incivility within the debate that I thought was particularly appalling. Well, it did look like as it, as it went on, you, you looked increasingly uncomfortable because you were going like, it was just any time you would make a factual statement, it got very personal. Of course, you went to prison. He did it. He did it. He went to prison. Of course. That was his whole thing. And he kept going back to it or nobody sees your movies. You know, everything was remarkably personal if you go yeah, and I don't, you know i don't mind it being personal in other words i, I would come back and say things like Chenko, okay look i did exceed the campaign finance law but you know justice isn't a matter of did you do it but it's also a matter of the, does the penalty fit the crime the other guys who did the same thing get the same penalty so i, I say I, I maintain that no no person in american history has ever uh, been locked up for doing what i did so right. a normal person now on the other side would go, wow, if we're claiming that this is progressive justice, that's a problem. I need to find at least some other cases where other guys got the same penalty. Otherwise, Dinesh has, in fact, been railroaded. I never got the sense with Cenk that even after the debate, he would make such an inquiry. This is a kind of a guy, I mean, he almost defines closed-mindedness uh, in a way that I, I almost, I've not encountered before. Uh, and so I was a little bit, it's almost like I felt like an anthropologist. I wanted to take out my my equipment and begin to study uh, his his insides because i haven't quite encountered a chink before so he wants to he wanted to go dr grant sweeping off the velociraptor yes. claws uh only take a lot of digging to get to the center of chink so I, I ask you that because um is it true there are no cases that what would they say are cases similar to yours or is there nothing because i did look into it specifically 
comparable to yours. And I didn't find yeah. anything, but that doesn't mean something there that- And we know this because we search for them. I mean, I have a legal team that looked for them because, because when you go before a judge, you have to be prepared. The government looked really hard uh, because they wanted to tell the judge, look, there are all these cases where these guys have gotten, but in fact, all the cases that they came up with involve corruption. In other words, someone is trying to buy an appointment or someone is trying to get a favor through a lawmaker. In my case, I didn't even, the candidate didn't even know. So there was no corruption uh, involved or even alleged. And, and, that's, and that's what makes this case particularly interesting. I think it will it's it's gonna it's gonna go down in campaign finance history as a kind of a blip, a very interesting case that people will look at and go, hmm, what was that all about? Right. Well, people people either have to say either he's the dumbest criminal in history who received no benefit whatsoever, or it's just something that's happened all the time. And like you said, they they've railroaded him. And I think. It, You've just touched on something. I've talked about this with the Second Amendment, you know, the Hel- famous Heller case. The argument that loses, that's presented, is equally important, or the opposition argument. If there were a case, like you're saying, it would be in their best interest to say, well, here you go, here's a directly comparable case, open and shut. The fact that they weren't able to was very telling. And this is one thing, too. You know, we've gotten into this with Facebook by filing a legal motion. You know, you and I both know that what happens legally in a court that is legally observable is very different from social media drama. And you've you've been in both realms. You've been in the academic realm. You've been in the legal realm. Um, and then this new social media realm, which you see with people like Jenk. The, the good side is anyone can have a voice. The bad part of that is that you have a lot of hacks who, who can still develop these huge followings just through, through dirt slinging. So does that concern you the way it's shifting, bridging that gap? Uh, do you think that's, that's kind of just a, a small trend, a small blip, or do you think it could be dangerous? Well, I think that uh, you're, you're, you're quite right, uh, Stephen, that it could be a real benefit to democracy that we've got this kind of open channel uh, and that the kind of arguments that were previously confined to the Oxford Debating Society uh, or PBS are now accessible to people and people can not only listen, they can participate. Um, and I try to, what I try to do is, is, is bridge the gap between academia and, and sort of popular discourse by speaking in a very conversational way. And I do this in the movie and in the book. So, for example, in Hillary's America, I make this claim. It's pretty startling. I say, in 1860, the year of the Civil War, no Republicans owned a slave. I say all the slaves in the United States and the whole country were owned by Democrats. Now, this is a very arresting factual claim. Uh, there are, uh, there's a very easy way to refute it. Hey, Dinesh, here is a list of 10 Republicans who own slaves, exactly. right? I would have to retract the statement, but no one has been able to do that. So this is actually the way that I think public discourse should happen. It should happen uh, by, by asserting and counter-asserting claims, by marshalling evidence, by making it accessible to people. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that there's no one on the progressive side who does that, because I think there probably are. Uh, interestingly, with this movie and book, the left has not put anyone of any caliber up against us who's been able to seriously challenge, let alone refute, a single claim in the book or the movie. That's a very important point. Uh, I think they attack you more on style, kind of like you're saying you bridge the gap, and they're going, well, he's a former intellectual who's become pedestrian. But like you've said, it's making this accessible to people. And if anyone has read your, your books... Frankly, um, my parents made me read letters to a young Christian, and being the young comedian, smartass that I was, I was like, this is, this is kind of dry. It's very intellectually written. And so the news, you, you, you do both of those things, you know, um, and you get railrated regardless. Yeah, I mean, early in my career, I wrote books that were, were scholarly, that were supported by footnotes. Now I do that, but I also try very hard to make those books. My assumption in writing now is I assume my reader knows nothing about the subject 
but is also really intelligent. Right. Okay. Hold that thought. We will be back with more Dinesh D'Souza. If you change the channel, um, you're you're a bigot. That's that's the rule. That's the rule. Now for installment 42 of Clarence McCaskill, worst negotiator ever. Oh, this is getting dicey. Is Clarence here yet? Uh, he's supposed to be here any minute, boss. Alright, guys, I'm here. What's the situation? Clarence, thank God you're here. He's been holed up with 14 hostages for eight hours. He's already killed two of them. He's making his demands right now. Eight hours, and you just called me now, huh? Nothing like waiting to the last minute. Alright, give me the megaphone there. Hi, this is Clarence McCaskill, famous negotiator. W what are your demands? Hey, man, don't get any closer. I want $500,000 in unmarked bills, in a duffel bag, and a helicopter to take me to Mexico. Yeah, okay, we'll get right on that. Right after we build the time machine to go back and save the four people you killed. What? Yeah, we're not giving you that stuff. And we're probably going to kill you. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. You think we're going to give you a helicopter and unmarked bills and let you walk out? No, we're probably sending SWAT members in right now, and you are going to die soon. Don't fool around, man. I'll kill her. Hey, is this guy for real? Yeah, he's famous. They gave him, like, a, a reality show. Yeah, it's on A&E and everything. Hey, man, don't fool around. I'll kill another person. Uh, see, the thing is, you already killed four, so I'm going to level with you. We're willing to make that bargain as long as we take you out. I'm not joking. Do what I say. Yeah, please, just, just do what he says. No, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm just thinking of a way to kill you. Oh, Clarence. Stay tuned for the next installment of Clarence McCaskill, Worst Negotiator Ever. Glad to be back. Bring in my microphone. And I'm not going to dance that long. This is a special <laughs> guest, Jared. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, Hillary's America. Of course, it's available. It's available on DVD, digital, as well as paperback and hardcover. All of the above. There you go. Uh, I don't know. When will so, that be uh, coming to beta? Okay. Don't jump the gun. So the DVD of the movie oh. comes out in October. It's not available yet. It's still in theaters. Uh, and we're going to do an expanded release in September. If you'll let me, hillarysamericathemovie.com. That's the website. That'll tell you where it's playing near you. Absolutely. Sorry, that's right. I... A little bit of timing there, where it's both released in theaters and the DVD before the election. I see where I see where he's noodling it. Um, I do well, highly recommend it. You have definitely, regardless of where people line up politically, we've talked about this. Most conservative content is crap, particularly as far as documentaries. They've been really bad. They've been embarrassingly <laughs> bad. There are a few standouts, but it definitely seems, even if you look at your hiring practices and the way these films are shot, that you've made it a point to step up in quality. Was, was that your mission from the outset, or is it just something that happened organically? 
Well, no, I, I, you know, I knew nothing about making movies four years ago when I undertook 2016, but I did know that c Christian and conservative movies tend to be sort of subpar and that people feel a sense of duty. I've got to go to support the movie. Now, I don't want people to go to support my movie. I want people to go to be entertained and to learn a bunch of stuff and to come up moved and inspired and fired up. And so I wanted to make that type of a movie. Uh, now, 2016 is that type of a movie, but it's also a simpler movie. It's the kind of movie that you could have shot on a handheld, a very nice handheld camera. But now that we're doing recreations of history and recreations of politics, we do them at a very sophisticated level. So for example, the confinement center prison scenes in this movie, uh, there are people who thought I actually shot them in prison. Uh, I couldn't because actually my judge issued an order uh, that I can't film my, my confinement, I can't film my teaching of English to immigrants, and I can't film my psychiatric counseling, which I'm sure you, Stephen, would have loved to see, yeah. the re-education yeah. of Dinesh D'Souza. I would also want to get the name of your doctor. It could probably help me out. It, it, it was an effort that failed, and my rehabilitation <laughs> has been proclaimed incomplete. Right. Well, it's one thing to have, uh, obviously, to seek help on your own. It's another to have a psychiatric evaluation and rehabilitation mandated, and then the end result isn't the opinion they want, maybe, and they go, well, listen, the guy's, guy's still conservative. This is a scary thing about guys like Cenk is, uh, you know, with, generally I would feel that with a good-willed guy on the other side, like, I have no desire to lock up Michael Moore or ruin him financially or subject him to psychiatric. I, I would never think that way. But these guys think that way, or some of them do. There's a sort of authoritarian streak where they go, well, yeah, I'm really glad he got that man. Wish we could have kept him, you know, under the gun for longer. Uh, and, and so this is the totalitarian streak that you see in the left, and it's... Uh, it, it characterizes Hillary and it characterizes a fair number of her goons. Well, I believe, too, that obviously a form of open ideas is best for the conservative or libertarian argument. That's always what I've maintained. And so have you seen with good example, unedited, the Dinesh Chank uh, debate? I would I would recommend you go review it. Of course, go to to uh, to go see Hillary's America. But this is one that was very compelling to me. Have you noticed since that is as open and unedited as could possibly be, an influx of new fans from that because they just go, all right, I haven't seen this before. Well, I, I noticed two things. One is that I noticed that the, an influx of new fans, a lot of younger people, which who wouldn't normally have probably come across my work. The other thing is I went on the Young Turks channel and I began to look at the feedback on Cenk's site. Uh, now, while the feedback on my site is 99% positive, on Cenk's site it was running about 50-50. And a lot of people were like, Cenk, I, I thought you were a reasonable guy, but to see you go on like an intellectual goon uh, at this debate, I was a little bit embarrassed for you and embarrassed for myself for, for being your fan. And so I, I, I was kind of interested to see this kind of stuff on Cenk's own site. And I'm sure Cenk was, you know, thinking, I mean, I don't know what Cenk thinks, but but I thought it was significant that even on the Young Turks side, you probably have some young people who, who are more intellectually open-minded than their uh, than their host. Well, I used to get that a lot because, as you know, I've been on YouTube for years, and I was the only one there. It was just an empty desert. And as a Christian, uh, and of course the Young Turks, when they were a little smaller, would go after me. And they would, oh, I hate you. And then they go, you know what? I've kind of flipped on this. <laughs> even if they're an atheist, you know, even if they would completely disagree with, for example, your debate with Hitchens, uh, they've grown up a little bit and they've recognized, you know what? I thought Cenk was this anti-corporate, not just Cenk, I don't want to doggy pile on him, but a lot of leftists who've presented themselves as these anti-establishment, anti-authoritarians who've ironically become the man. And, and you're definitely seeing an exodus, not massive, but it's it's noticeable. And d does that give you hope in kind of this area of a very cracked conservative movement with, with Trump and never Trump? 
Yeah, well, uh, on the left, you've seen these sites like Gawker and Daily Beast and Mediaite and so on. And you've got these guys, and many of them are, you know, two years out of college, uh, and uh, and they, they don't know anything. So they'll tell they'll say things to me like, Dinesh, have you ever heard of the Nixon Southern strategy? You know, um, and I'm like, yeah, not only have I heard about it, I've written extensively about these things. I wrote a 2,000-page book called The End of Racism. I'm very familiar with all these things. But they, they, they have this sort of, uh, you know, uh, idiot way of lecturing me about things that I'm, that, uh, you know, sort of everything that they know on the topic was my starting point 20 years ago. So I, I don't quite know what to make of this. I try to engage them in dialogue by saying things like, well, you know, uh, who actually won the Deep South in 68? It really wasn't Nixon. It was the Democrat, the segregation. Democrat Wallace, uh, and that Nixon won the Upper South, so the least racist South, as the South became less racist and became more Republican. So I, you know, I, I'd love to have real debates about these things, like the big switch and so on. But the quality of the debate, I mean, it throws me back to when I was 20 and I looked up to people like Irving Kristol, Bill Buckley, Solzhenitsyn, Hayek, Milton Friedman. Um, and I realized that those guys were writing in small magazines and in different forums, and the world is different now. But it is pathetic to see the lowering of the intellectual lowering that has happened between then and now. Right. I think you're, you're smart to say, I assume that the audience knows nothing but is not an idiot. We've had that, we've run into that a lot with Second Amendment issues, where we talk, we assume, right, sort of like a tree. You know, okay, there's a branch, semi-automatic, then you get to assault weapons, clips versus magazines, and then you realize you're still at the trunk. They don't know what semi-automatic means. So you go, okay, let's back this up. They're not idiots. They just don't know anything about this given subject. And so I do appreciate you, you bridging that gap, because there aren't a lot of people doing it. They're either in academia, or they're hacks like us who are dancing along to, uh, to techno bumps. Dinesh, we're gonna go to a web extended after this, the website right before we go? Hillary is America, the movie.com. And then the book is available in Costco and um, Barnes and Noble, everywhere else you can get books. This is true. Ladderwithcredit.com. Web Extended, what does that mean? Yes, it's a pre tape because he was on a different coast. Oh, we tricked you. Web Extended, Ladderwithcredit.com. Or you're racist. Now it's time for your Dating Advice Minute with Bill Cosby. Now this week's letter comes to us from Russell. On a rat show cooking down to California, he says, Hey, I got a problem with my girlfriend, with my woman. She doesn't want to see me after she's had a long day at work. And when she sees me, she'd rather see the inside of her eyelids and go to sleep. Okay, Russell, understand every man who has a working woman has had that problem at some point in their lives, okay? They got the woman who's working, she's not at home. She's got a lot of responsibility. You gotta be sensitive. So here's what you're gonna do. When she comes home, you're gonna have dinner cooked. You're gonna have some coffee with the dinner. You're going to offer her some coffee, and then you go to slip something in the coffee. She's going to be, ah, you're going to be going to the This has been your Dating Advice Minute with Bill Cosby. Ding, 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 ding,
back. Second hour. I'm worried. I'm worried that Hopper has a problem with dancing. We need to recondition he him. He does. He's like a he's like a Baptist dog. <laughs> that racist Baptist dog. You know what I think it is? I think it's when we did the Brexit know. thing and we danced with the the firearms. He doesn't like that. Doesn't like that. He doesn't. Yeah. He really I think that like conditioned guns. him to be afraid. I am your host, hosting, of course. Uh, second hour producing with me in the studio as always is not gay Jared. Follow him on Twitter at NotGayJared. I have my legal obligations. Draw your own conclusions. Something else. People were tweeting us. Yes, that last one was a pre-tape because Dinesh was on the West Coast. This is live, so people can get mad. They just add, To prove it, they just asked me to talk about Gawker. You saw that. Yep. And a Gawker. guy just tweeted he's watching us live in a gym. If that's Planet Fitness, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. It's almost as if he has something not I don't mind having sequential hermaphrodite followers, trannies who use the wrong bathrooms... I don't, but I will not cater to an audience that attends Planet Fitness. Every man has their limits. Gawker's gone under. That happened this week. Gawker is gone. Done. No more. And uh, that's not really surprising. Of course, the Hogan sex tape uh, accelerated that, mm-hmm. but they are just, there's a, there's a changing with, with clickbait outrage culture. That's the difference is these leftist sites. It's constant clickbait where you don't really know. You have to click the story, and every time you click a story at Gawker, it's, oh, I'm supposed to be offended by something. So I don't really know that there's a story there. People want to gloat that they're gone. I mean, they've attacked yours truly several times, but it doesn't really bother me all that much. A lot of the hits these sites do, they're just not... You're like, all right. They're not very talented in their it's hits like, anymore. All, all right. You're saying I'm secretly gay? Okay. Have you seen her dancing, perchance? I mean, this isn't some kind of a, a conspiracy to which you've you've gotten to the bottom. It's, it's pretty much out there. Yeah. So that's what's happened with Gawker. Try harder. Don't be so lazy. Some, speaking of Gawker, this is a story that's really that's gotten big, and I think this is important because there are several facets to this. Uh, comedian Aaron Glazier was found guilty of rape. We wrote about this. Not yep. so much found guilty as much as he was just accused. Uh, no police were actually involved. Nope. We wrote about this. Some comedians came forward. He works at UCB in New York. He's a comedian. Now listen, let me preface this by saying he may be a rapist. I don't know. Could be a rapist. I have no idea. I just want to preface that. However, does he look like a rapist? That's where you. He really does have, look like a rapist with a beard and the glasses, well, but it's hard to know if it's a rapist or a hipster. Well, some may say, "What's the difference these days?" It's true. The rape is one thing: either your bank account or or your self-respect. Your, Their own self-respect. That's true. It's self-rape with the hipsters. We need to, we need to create a game on that. So this guy <laughs> Glazier. Women came forward, said he had raped them. So he lost his job working at the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater. I guess he had a weekly show. And he came out and responded by Facebook. And he said, recently, one or more women have accused me of sexual uh, misconduct. He said, I didn't do that. I didn't do it. And I've had no recourse. I don't know the names of the women. I don't know the accusations. And I don't know that there's been any evidence presented. And I've lost my job. And he's swearing up and down that he has not done this. Okay? So he could have done it. My point. So don't say, you're a rape apologist. He absolutely could have done it. We have no idea. That's why we have a system of law. That's why we have courts. So what happened here is someone, I guess, who is is friends with Amy Schumer. Uh, I don't think he writes for her specifically. That was a rumor out there. A uh, guy named Medzger, Kurt Medzger. I always get it wrong with Guy Medzger. He's a comedian. He has like a show. He's a comedian. He has a show. And he took to Facebook. So this is important why, why I'm giving you all of these facets. He said, hey, I know the cops aren't always helpful and that rapists don't get convicted, but... They can't do anything if you've never even gone to the cops. He said they can't help if you don't bother going to the police at all. Why aren't the rape kits being tested? You need to come forward and go to the cops and convict this person. That's what this guy said. Mm-hmm. 
He said, if you were raped, go forward and convict this person, as we've been saying for a long time. Now you can bring this up. Our resident favorite, Amy Schumer, felt the need to tweet out. I think you have it on your, your thing there, your image. She tweeted out, I am so saddened and disappointed in Kurt Mesker. He is my friend and a great writer, and I couldn't be more against his recent actions. Only 765 retweets. This is important. When you look at these sites or these people who have millions of followers and their retweets, their likes are not proportional, you start to see a shift in culture. Amy Schumer, a comedian who's made her career off of, set your stopwatch, I'm a slut, <laughs> and fat. That's her career. That's her entire mm -hmm. thing. I, I like eating. I also like being slutty. That's her shtick. And it's worn thin very quickly. She, she's been carried on the backs of critics. They've all told you that you need a lover, that she's hysterical. I used to think she was funny when she did stand-up. I, I don't find her particularly funny these days. But most people don't. It's worn very thin. She felt the need, that's her shtick, to go forward and condemn a friend, saying, I am totally against that. What is it that she's totally against? She is against him saying, go to the police if you are raped. Police may, if they don't do anything, that's a horrible problem. We need to fix it. But they can't do anything if you don't go to them. She is mad that somebody, a man, is trying to prevent more rapes. Kurt Metzger is trying to prevent more rapes. That's why I want to prevent more rapes. If this guy is going around raping everybody in the Upper West Side, or more so the Trendy Village, I don't know where UCB is in, the, in New York City anymore, guess what? You need to come forward and get that guy convicted so he doesn't go and rape somebody else. That's what I want. Men don't like rapists. Nope. We don't want to see more women raped. However, coming forward on social media is not the same as going to the police. You don't care about women. You don't care about women who are going who, who could be raped, who could be future victims. Amy Schumer, self-professed feminist, strong feminist who also literally wants to take your guns away up there with her uncle Chuck, is saying, "I am so against somebody Believing in due process and thinking that you should go to the police if you're raped. You should simply say the words rape. You don't even need to finish the word. Just say ra, And the guy is guilty and loses his job. There is nobody, nobody who wants to see rapists locked away more than myself or more than self-respecting non-feminist strong That's women. a gut reaction of every guy out there. I wanna, you just want to kick their ass when you hear about that. You hear about that? It's just, it's the, as a guy... It's okay. completely natural. Truthfully, have you ever met a guy in your life? Tweet me at Escarter. Have you ever met a guy in your life who, when the subject of rape came up, he's like, yeah, but secretly we're all on board, right? Yeah, it's just kind of, kind of our thing. Just don't tell them. I've met some Keep people behind closed doors who I found out were racist. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's that's surprising. Usually, like, legitimately. Let, yes. But never rape. On the rape, usually, it's, usually the surprise comes when I'm like, wow, you, you want to do some really dark things. Like, you're willing to kill a guy. I, I really believe you are on the right. subject. Like, I, I didn't think you had it in you, but... You bring this up, and I think you would. Yeah, that's usually the surprise. You're like, oh, here. here. I've met some people. I'm like, this guy could be. This guy could kill somebody. I've yeah. never met anybody who's like out of left field. We're just talking like, yeah, rape. It's never once happened. No. So this is why it's so important because you're not going to read about this at Gawker. You're not going to read about this. You're not going to hear about this in the news. What you'll hear is man accused of rape, and that'll be it. And he's he's posted on his his Twitter that he's like, hey, look, here's my entire podcast. Listen to it front end, and I listened to like ten minutes of it today. Yeah, and it, the, the, the guy Metzger, you guy mean. Metzger, Kurt, yeah. Kurt Metzger, Kurt Metzger, yeah. and of course, no one's going to see that. No one's ever is going to bury it, and all they're going to live with is that tweet of, of Amy Schumer. Yeah, that's just all, gonna, well, no one really headline. sees a tweet of Amy Schumer. Well, I mean, like that, those, that, but that's the headline. It's like those funnier die sites yeah. and stuff. No one really pays attention to them anymore. But uh, it, it's just one of those things. If, when you really, and I hate to say, it, like, let's peel, it, or what does Ruben always say? 
let's unpack this. Uh, this. Let's unpack this, which is great. He should. He should. Uh, I think of an old professor I used to have in college who, who that was that was her phrase, and everyone was like, it just, it just married to her in my mind. Here's the thing: it doesn't surprise me in the comedy community that a lot of guys are like, like you have these comedians who might have big podcasts. Gavin's talked about them. We're like, oh, I'm such a victim, and I was addicted to mescaline, and they just have a new 16 year old on their arm every day. Like there are yeah. a lot of comedians who are dirt bags, and they always want to claim to be victims. So I have very little sympathy for them. Which is funny because Nick DiPaolo, we've talked about, is uh, is incredibly blue. As rough as it gets, but he actually has his life together. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of comedians who th- picture themselves to be like introspective and sort of alternative comics, they can't they can't tie their shoelaces without antidepressants, and they want to advertise that like ah I'm on Cymbalta means I'm smarter. No, it just means you're a miserable person. Just because you're unhappy doesn't mean you're funnier. So anyway, so I, I'm not necessarily always sympathetic to comedians, but I am sympathetic to anybody anybody wanting due process. Want, th- this is why we have laws. And you know what you're doing? You're belittling the, the crime of rape. We've talked about this before. But just like we might have Chad with AIDS on later when we talk about AIDS and people just saying, let's stop stigmatizing it. Let's No, when you don't acknowledge the statistics, when you make up statistics to try and push an agenda, you belittle people who are actually suffering from AIDS. When you say that one in four women are raped, which is entirely false, and when you fire people and say, uh, we find this to be wildly offensive and abhorrent, uh, this man has, without any kind of evidence, and providing the person no recourse, you, you are absolutely belittling rape. Not only are you allowing people... To get away with a free pass. This is a culture. You want to talk about rape culture? The culture is the social media outrage culture where it is considered to be just as productive to create a hashtag or to come forward and just say I've been raped with no legal process. Good example is Facebook, right? We had this incident with Facebook. We had several incidents where we knew that they were they were screwing with our account. A report came out. We had some billing issues. Everybody else, everybody else with the big sites, they got on and they flamboyantly say we have these problems and please help us. We took the proper legal action. And guess what? We've been productive. We've been successful. We've resolved it with Facebook. They're not screwing with their page anymore. We got the billing issue resolved. It's one thing to go forward in social media to try and gain some followers. And that's what Amy Schumer is doing. And they've, these people on the rape side, unlike the Facebook side of censorship, which is they have the right to do it, but they're lying about it. On the rape side, people like Amy Schumer are saying, well, going on Twitter is just, is just as valid a reaction. It's even more valid because we're raising awareness. We're, oh, you get away with everything under that umbrella, right? Well, why didn't you press charges? I'm just raising, I'm too scared. I just, I'm raising awareness. Well, why don't you get a rape test, uh, test done? You can have the, de- no, I'm just, I'm raising awareness, really. And you just happen to be getting followers. That's how I get the word out about rape. Lena Dunham wasn't raped. Uh, no, let, let's go as far as evidence. If you were to have it in a court of law, Lena Dunham, no. Maybe raped her sister. Amy Schumer, no. Uh, probably raped other people. I'd imagine before she was famous, she she had to get it any way she could. Any which way she could. Lena Dunham, no. Amy Schumer, no. Most of the high-profile celebrities who come out have never pressed charges, have never done anything about it. They've done precisely zero about it, and they make front-page news. Well, what do you think happens to a girl who was actually violently raped in an alleyway? Or someone who was sexually accosted by their uncle or a coach? Makes it a lot harder for them to come out because it just becomes a white noise. Well, I, I was really raped. Yeah, but it's Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham. Damn it. <sighs> I guess I should just keep my mouth shut. Be back. Talk about outrage culture after this. This Week in Feminism. So, Amy, it, it really was just the hardest thing. I mean, I, I don't remember. I don't know if I was drugged. I don't know if I was 
sexually harassed or raped? I'm so sorry. That sounds terrible. So I don't know what to do, but I was really thinking. I was talking with my parents, and um, there's just there's no easy decision to make at this time. I'll support you in whatever you do. Thanks. Okay. So I was thinking for sure that the first thing I should do is um, you know, go to the authorities and and file the proper paperwork to to press charges. Mm, would we do that? What? I don't know about that. No, this is this is a serious crime, and I want to make sure he doesn't go do this to anyone else. I have to do this for other women. I, I need to go to the cops. Have you considered a hashtag? Glad to be back. After the break, we're going to have Joey Salads. And people are going, why are you having Joey Salads? Joey Salads. Uh, some people are saying, why, why are you doing the Joey why Salads? Sh- why dare you? How the dare reason you? why is he's pretty popular on YouTube, and uh, he, he reached out. He's a fan of the show. He said, hey, I'd like to talk more about the political stuff. A lot of people don't know, so we'll give him that form. Who knows? Who knows which way it could go with the Joey Salads? And then I think we have Super Mexican and uh, Chad with AIDS afterward. We don't have the segment branded yet, but this week in Social Justice Outrage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that we have, and we just figured we'd fit this into one segment. Um, I'm trying to wonder what we should start with. Okay, let's do this. So, Ellen DeGeneres got accused of racism this week. Why? She joined in on a meme, and she said, this is how I, for those listening to Resterly, she said, this is how I'm going to do my groceries from now on. And she tweeted out a funny picture, a funny picture of her riding Usain Bolt, because he's fast. Because he's fast. Mm-hmm. So, lesbian, pro-social justice warrior, progressive... Ellen DeGeneres tweeted out was an already common meme with Usain Bolt. Yep. Everyone was jumping on that one. Yeah. No pun intended. Racist. Racist. Right away, the Twitter got on a racist. So riding on his back like a mule and a horse as some form of property is fun to you? Okay. Here's from uh, at R. Hugh Sirius. LGBT Ellen off the market to pick up some Uncle Ben's and Aunt Jemima, her two favorites. What? Another liberal phony. People getting furious with her because she was, listen. If you can't take a compliment, black people are fast. Have you noticed when you watch the sprinting, there's like one white guy and they put him in. It's the only example where there might be a diversity hire for the white guy. Yep. But we're like, ah, let's take the white guy from Greece. He's going to get embarrassed. Well, what do we do? We have to have someone on there. <laughs> Look at it. Look at this. It, it's just it's just Usain Bolt and, and, and every, every, everyone else. We're, there's no reason to have anyone else here. It's Usain Bolt and everyone else. And everyone else is black. We just toss in one or, white guy. Or a woman now. Yeah, or, well, yes, or a woman now. So Ellen DeGeneres caught so much flack because she, and by the way, this is a common meme. It was with Michael Phelps. There was a yeah. meme going around. If you were stranded on an island, uh, desert island, what would you have? Uh, water, a flashlight, and Michael Phelps to ride to shore. So it's not new. Again, this this proves to you that liberals, leftists are racist. They see this as it's complimentary to Usain Bolt. By the way, you know who didn't find it insulting? Usain Bolt. <laughs> he retweeted it himself. What, what? All right, let's let's not. We have so many to get through. Uh, all right, Cam Newton. Cam Newton said that, and this guy's been obviously the center mm-hmm. of a lot of con- controversy. Cam Newton said that uh, America was past racism. When they asked him, they said. Uh, do you think that it's about race and the flack you've caught? He said, I don't want this to be about race because it's not. It's like we're beyond that as a nation. 
So right away, people turn on him. If Cam Newton doesn't check himself, he's going to become the next O.J. Simpson. You are black, bruh. Cam Newton needs to spend more time dressing like a middle-aged mom trying to get back out there and less time discussing race. So right away, if he gets off the plantation, Cam Newton, you're not really black. That's what Twitter let him know. Something else we have here. Restaurateurs stuck it to liberals uh, by he, he created the Black Lives Black Olives Matter slogan at an Italian restaurant. And right away, people are outraged. Black olives matter. The tweets, furious. Uh, we agree. I mean, just just people, just nonstop outrage, outrage. Black olives matter. You can't even make a joke about it. This is so. We've what do we have so far? We have Ellen DeGeneres. We have Cam mm-hmm. Newton. We have Black Olives Matter. Do we have another one, or we just have the clip? Yeah, this one here. What is this? Oh, 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 Lock, Ryan Lochte and Vilify Douglas. They're saying, well, Ryan Lochte lied about This is hilarious, by the way. He lied about being robbed, it seems. <laughs> First off, people are saying, why are, we, why are we supporting Lochte and vilifying Gabby Douglas? I don't know anybody who says anything. If ever Ryan Lochte's name occurs in a phrase, it's either is not followed by is not as good as Michael Phelps or is a douche. I've never heard anybody say anything else about Ryan Lochte. Like, he's a great swimmer, but man, he's not as good as Michael Phelps. And that guy is a douche. Always. I don't know a ton of Lo- Ryan Lochte fans, just to be clear with you. The reason Ryan Lochte, people aren't super outraged, is because they expect us of him. Gabby Douglas, the reason people were critiquing her is because she was America's sweethearts, and there were a lot of reports that she was being needlessly bitchy. It's not because she's black. It's not because she didn't do well. It's not because she didn't put her heart on her ha- uh, her hand on her heart with a national anthem. It's not because people think she was making... She just... She, she There have been reports that she isn't a team player. America doesn't like that. America doesn't like that whether it's white or black. They're not the same situation. Ryan Lochte was never America's sweetheart. Douglas was, and so people were disappointed with her. Because they loved her. Because white America embraced <laughs> Gabby Douglas. Some people did confuse her with the, uh, I can't remember the name of the, cur- the current Olympian who's also black. And that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's My embarrassing. mom's been guilty of that. Being French-Canadian, she didn't see a lot of them. And she sometimes will walk up and it's like, hey, I really like you when you played the piano. And it's just a different black guy at a <laughs> jazz bar. And you're like, mom. Now, is that racist? No. She was underexposed. Doesn't mean she hates black people. She has no clue as to what racism is. She just see my grandparents. Oh, my gosh. All black people look alike to them because they didn't yeah. see them. They didn't see them. That's kind of a rough generation, though. You know, it's one of those things. Ra- racism is very clearly someone who believes they are superior to another race solely because of race. It's not a miscommunication. It's not about being insensitive. Let's just frame that in with the racism. All right. Uh, and finally, here's a show that just came out. Um, what's the name of the show here? I don't have it with me, do I? Oh, The Great Indoors. Great Indoors. The Great Indoors. Yeah. So this is a show where uh, people were... Okay, it's a show that seems to make fun of millennials. Seems like it's trying to piggyback a little bit on... Uh, what's the Tim Allen show? Last Man uh, Standing. Last Man Standing. Yep. This premise of the show is this guy is coming into this outdoor uh, magazine, sort of, you know, wildlife, outdoor, hiking mo- uh, mountain man magazine, and a bunch of millennials work there, and they're part of the digital age, and they're overly sensitive. Mm-hmm. So the whole show is, it's like the buddy cop thing. Wisecracking black guy, old yep. white guy with a revolver who does things by the book. Well, this is freewheeling mountain man from the previous generation, and then a bunch of mealy-mouthed, overly sensitive millennials. So that's the story. Let's roll the clip so you know what this is about. Between you and human resources, young adults today are a very delicate group. We offer an entire class on how to deal with that. Oh, is the class called I was born in the 90s, wah? (laughs) There you go. So everything we're talking about, all of the outrage, we're tying this up. Millennials are really sensitive. They're outraged Mm -hmm. about everything. This show makes fun of it. 
guess how millennial reporters reacted? Well, I'm going to guess they were maybe a little bit touchy. They were outraged. They were outraged. (laughs) Here you go. A millennial member interrupted Givens. I'm a millennial myself. How are we so coddled? And what about our overly politically correct workplace bothers you? Why are you portraying us as too sensitive? And then at one point they asked, this is a member of the media who's a millennial, so are you the Trump show? I'm just seeking clarification. They're mocking the very reaction that they get for mocking them. Oh my God, this is how far we've come. Uh, Well, Joey Salads up next. Hold on to your butts. weekly double secret patriarchy meeting is now in session as you know there are refreshments at the back of the room but please keep it to a two per person maximum mark Wahlberg, i'm looking at you i only drank one last time okay you're a terrible liar marky mark but you're cute first item on the list this week is making sure we maintain our grip on rape culture any ideas uh yes you at the back yeah i was thinking like Maybe some reverse psychology. Hmm. I'm listening. So I was thinking, like, maybe we tell women who say they've been raped to go to the cops. Thereby ensuring that they'll never go to the proper authorities. I like it. Yeah, yeah, because they'll, like, do the opposite. Brilliant. So if we all go out from here and act like we want to catch and incarcerate rapists, which, of course, we won't at all affront, we know that, and tell these women to go to the police, we know that they'll do nothing more than relegate themselves to hashtags and Snapchat, which is entirely ineffective, allowing us to continue our stranglehold on consequence-free rape. Oh, but what if one of them actually goes to the cops? Shut up, Perry. No one wants to hear the words coming out of your mouth. Oh, oh, glib, Perry. They'll never go to the cops. See Lena Dunham and Amy Schumer. Their rapist was Charles. He's still doing it today. Guilty. Well, that was productive. I feel good about this meeting. Consider it adjourned. See you next Tuesday. Reach the wizard. All right, glad to be back. This next guest, a little bit of a controversial figure there, not Kate Jarrett. Mm-hmm. A little I bit see that. Uh, controversial. See that. We'll get into that. that. But nothing as controversial, even with the stunts he's pulled, as apparently coming out of the closet as really just a non-liberal. You know him on YouTube.com slash Joey Salads. Uh, Joey Salads. We'll go with like the Alice Cooper name. We'll go with the stage name. Joey, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So you've been on YouTube for a, a long time. How many years have you been doing videos on YouTube? Professionally, I think around two years now. Okay. But I've been on it since like for like eight years. Yeah, that was me and my brother too. We released one in the initial dark ages of YouTube. And we go, wow, that went viral. I got over a million hits, and then saw the comments. We're like, I don't want to be a little here. baby face, a little baby face crowd. Um, yeah. So now Joey has pulled some some pretty extreme stunts. He's been doing it for a while. He's known for being outlandish. So no shocker there. But more recently, you've been doing videos that if they don't have a right-wing bent, they certainly lean that way. And you were talking about that, that the reaction has been somewhat surprising. I mean, I'm not really surprised of the reaction. I mean, we know how these many of these liberals act. But, I mean, in my videos, I, I try not to make them like, I'm making this video and I'm a conservative and I'm going to show you what to think. 
the conservative point of view. I don't I don't go in with that. Right. With with that mentality. I go in where it's like, let's see how women react to me dressed up as a girl using the women's bathroom. And it just shows girls freaking out. And I did it twice because the first time, for those who don't know, I dressed up as a transgender woman and went in the girl's bathroom and women freaked out. And because the backlash I got was you're not really transgender, you're not really transgender. So I went out next week, the following week, and I got two real transgenders who went from the male to female, whatever you want to call it, and they looked ten times manlier than me. They yeah. just had wigs on. They just had, they had stuffed breasts. Well, because some people were saying, and, I know the criticism, they were saying it was uh, the first one was fake or reactions were fake. So well, first off, I'm assuming that's that's not the case. And then you got people who were actually living a life as as a transgender person to sort of meet the critics. Yeah. So when so when I I wanted to satisfy the people who were like this is this is fake and not really transgender, just to meet all the criticism with the follow up video where I had real transgender people and I had microphone on them and a camera on them. And as they went in, I was interviewing people as they were coming out, and many people were were not happy with that and. When I interviewed the transgenders, they even said they get kicked out of bathrooms all the time. Right. Because, how does how does you know, that work out? How do you how do you approach a couple of transgenders and hey, I want to make the internet hate you a little bit. Yeah, I want to make the internet despise you, you through me. And uh, <laughs> want to hear how I did it? I literally went driving down Hollywood Boulevard, and I was like, let me look for the the manliest looking <laughs> transgenders that I could find, and I pull up next to them. Hey, you want to make a hundred bucks? They come over to the car. I'm like, I'm not looking for sex or nothing, none of that weird stuff. And I tell them what to do, and then they're like, they're down. Well, there you go. If Capitalism bridges all lines. Luck with midgets. We just didn't have that little <laughs> little troopers. Well, it's fun. Yeah, we, we're going to get transgenders who are mad about this, but then we get people who are mad because we tried to rent a uh, a dwarf is the term they prefer for a video we were doing, and they were like, we're not going to rent you one. You're using them for untoward purposes. We're like, well, your business is rentadwarf.com or whatever it was. Like, what else could we use it for? So, okay, so that <laughs> happened. What I'm interested in is sort of the, the, the backlash, because I'm sure, you know, you're more conservative we probably don't line up on on everything um so i don't want to necessarily get into micro politics but i know in the old and you know i, I started off in film and in tv stand up for a long time before i really transitioned to youtube was with fox news um and then i did work with with other cable networks I had agents drop me. I had I had managers who were like, "Listen, you really don't want to get into this in this industry." Now I wonder now because online has sort of become more mainstream. You know, it was seen as fringe. Now you have comedians who choose to stay there because they can do better online. Is it that sentiment now online with with representatives with other people on YouTube or or the blogosphere where they go, "You don't want to touch this with a ten foot pole. Don't let people know you're conservative." Yeah, because I, I I actually filmed a scissor. Reel. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm probably not supposed to say this right now, but I filmed a scissor reel for a TV show, and you know the production company flew out from LA to Staten Island where I live, filmed the whole thing, edited it, and they started pitching it to like MTV, Spike, all all the networks. And when they started, they said to me, they're like, "Don't tweet or post anything conservative as we're doing this process because if." If MTV wants to buy it, and then they look into your videos and your tweets, and they find out you're a Trump supporter, you're not. We're not. The show's not going to sell. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it shouldn't surprise them if you're out there in Staten Island, you know, necessarily being a, a, a Trump supporter. Yeah. Um. That is. It, it is. I mean, listen. It'd be one thing if you were somebody who just sort of you know hosted a Young Turks show or a basic daily makeup show. 
You drank your own urine on camera a while ago. I mean, you're known for outlandish well, stunts. Yeah. Let me put that in the context because a lot of people think that I'm, I have a weird fetish of drinking my own urine. It's actually very common friends. with a lot of Brazilians or people who they believe, you know, it's it's cleansing. So you're not like people do. People do actually do that. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, compared to, hey, vote for Trump versus. All right, let's let's go with the uh, the morning dew here as my uh, supercharged smoothie. It seems like that'd be a little bit more uh, controversial. Well, the reason why I did that was because I was filming a jackass style movie with my other YouTube friends. So we've done dumb stuff. Like example, yes. one of them is we went in, we went in a bull ring. Uh, I broke my wrist, got hit by the bull. All of us we pepper sprayed ourselves before going in the bull ring. Um, we vomit on each other. Gosh. Um, my friend actually, one of the scenes was he dressed up as a giant bird and he chugged a gallon of milk with red food, I mean, uh, blue food coloring in it. And him and my other friend both dressed up as birds. They went out in West Hollywood and he starts vomiting in my other friend's mouth. Okay, like, all right. I like the birds. This yeah, does go to rest. Stuff. Do you ever think that maybe you shouldn't endorse Trump because it could hurt him at this point? <laughs> <laughs> they just bring out your video. This man's endorsing Trump, sir. Was that not you drinking your own urine? Yeah, vote Trump. <laughs> I mean, yeah, has that thought ever crossed your mind? Make a very good point. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to transition a little bit, slightly, because I, I love doing the dumb stuff. It's so fun. But I. I, I love politics as well. I watch you all the time, Galvin, um, Ben Shapiro. Um, well, thank, that's interesting, Paul though, Joseph because I, I think people will hear you, they'll hear your accent, and they see these, and they think you're, you're a bro. Uh, obviously, that's kind of what people assume. You're a Trump supporter, but you say you still listen to people like Shapiro, and I mean, I'm kind of right in the middle there on Trump. I understand both sides. Ben is completely anti-Trump. So you're a Trump supporter, but it doesn't seem like you're one of these people who's entirely polarized. You're, you're listening to a lot of different points of view. Yeah, I mean, you guys, your anti-Trump remarks, you make some very valid points. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at it as it's also Hillary or right. Trump, really. Right. Yeah. You got to make yeah. If you're not voting for Trump, it's kind of like, you know, you're almost voting for Hillary. We've made some pretty pro-Trump comments as well, and that's a rarity where it's like, you know, if we've certainly we've defended him with these violent riots being attributed to him. I don't think he's a racist at all. Um, I just have issues with him switching back and forth. I wish I knew exactly what I were getting. And I think you know you have people like uh, who are really far into the never Trump, which we've never been, and then they can't communicate to anyone who's pro Trump. And then you have the pro Trump people who just absolutely try to destroy the lives of anyone who's not pro Trump. And we're some of the few people who I'm glad to hear you're, you're you're listening because I understand it, man. I understand your point of view, but I also understand the point of view of someone's like I don't know that I can pull the lever. But on YouTube, oh my gosh, that's like catnip for comments. You ever talk about Trump and what's the reaction? <laughs> Yeah, I did um, <clears throat> one of them. Um, I went to the, the Trump rally, and, you know, all the protesters, they stand outside, you know, protesting, you know, don't right. vote for Trump, Trump's a racist, whatever. I went there, and I pretended to be one of the anti-Trumpers. I went with an American flag, and I was talking to them, like, to the side, hey, man, you want to stop on this flag with me as, you know, to make a statement? And all the anti-Trumpers were, like, talking. They were like, oh, maybe we should do this whatever, they're getting together, and they're about to stomp on the American flag. Like, they were ready, they had a group going, ready to stomp on the flag. So, right before we started, a fan walking by goes, hey, Joey Styles, what's up? And then the kid that was about to stomp on the flag looks at me, and he's like, are you, what are you trying to do? Are you filming a video or something? And then he looks at me, and he's like, you're trying to set us up! 
he started freaking out, cursing at me, and he, next thing you know, he's got the Trumpers and the anti-Trumpers all teaming up on me because he kept on saying I was going to stomp on the flag. Mm. So, I mean, I kind of, like, united the people. Yeah, you kind of united them where they wanted to stomp you. I've had that. We've, we've run yeah. into that a couple of times, uh, not Jared, specifically this last, this big gun video. People came up and like, oh, I love what you do. I'm like, no, no, no leave. Yeah, get out of here. And then someone, yeah, then they blow your cover. I mean, God bless them. They're trying to do their best. Did you release that? Oh, yeah, that, that video's out. Okay. Um, they also, the anti-Trumpers also... Uh, robbed stuff out of my backpack that was on my cameraman's back and they robbed the flag well they um, robbed it because they want equality joey you need to learn it's okay when they do it i mean that's a good example right there i would always defend uh not only someone like you but trump himself when they had the riots there in uh, in chicago uh of course it, it is completely inexcusable from the left that kind of behavior and i absolutely do think that more people voting for donald trump do love America compared to people. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to yeah. find pro-Trump people to stomp on the flag. I, I don't think you'd be able to get them yeah. to do it. Or, or any uh, Republican yeah, convention, even Cruz people, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, when, when I was doing that, um, Milo's, I think it's, it's his manager, Milo's manager was there. He goes by Baked Alaska on Twitter. And uh, he, was, he was right there when it was happening. He was recording it with his phone, and he tweeted out, Joey Sal is exposed, anti-American, like because he didn't know the context. Oh, of why really? I was doing it, yeah. And people were going off on Twitter, cursing me out, saying that I hated America, all this, all that, that, all that. Did, you, did you clear it up him. afterward? Yeah, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, the, the video comes out on Monday. I go, when you see it, you're gonna like it. It kind, it's kind of almost like a pro-Trump video because it's anti, the anti-Trump people. Right. And he's like, all right, we'll see, we'll see. And then when the video came out, he was like, oh, man, this is great. He's like, I'm so sorry. And he, like, tweeted out, like, apologizing. <laughs> yeah, we've had that yeah. a couple of times. Who's it we had with? Uh, we had something like that where someone was like, uh, oh, gosh, who was it? Um, oh, it was well, we did the Ann Arbor video. Remember we did the Ann Arbor mm. video? And this guy, the one guy who was relatively conservative, who uh, was like, he was... Most he was, surprising of all of them. Yeah, the most surprising of yeah. all of them, where he was like, no, I don't... The U of M, we did this video where U of M students wanted to ban certain terms. And it was like the term retarded, obviously. And then it went down the list, like fat, crazy was a term. And he said, you know, I don't think that's at all comparable to the N-word or racial slurs because of their terms. And he's like, and I don't think those should be banned either. He was totally reasonable. He And when someone is, is reasonable, when someone is rational, we always portray them that way. We don't have fake people. All of our reactions are, are, are genuine and we don't take them out of context. So he actually was in the video and he came off well, but he was still mad. And he, he went through yeah. YouTube and was like, oh, I didn't get permission to this. So you never know. Sometimes people just get, get cold feet. Oh, yeah. A lot of times the, the people that I do these experiments or pranks on, um, they, they always try to get the videos removed. Well, usually like the they kid can. That was about the same. Yeah. But um, luckily, because my channel's big, um, it, one example, the kid that was going to stomp on the American flag, his mom sent a letter. His mom sent the letter to YouTube saying, that's my son in this shirt. And, you know, we, we, we want the video removed. And YouTube gave me a notice. In five days, the video will be removed unless you remove it. So I hit up my management company and what they do is they go to YouTube and they allow me to update the video to put a blur on his face. Right, that's what they did with us too. I think that was someone yeah. at the Feminist Festival, right? Not Gay Jared? I think that one, yeah, the Feminist we had to do that for. 
Which the truth is, it took place at a public event in the link image. In the link image. <laughs> the thumbnail. Yeah, the thumbnail. The truth is, you're allowed to. People need to understand this. You're allowed to, but then YouTube has its own different set of rules. So there's there's the Constitution, there's the First Amendment, and there's a reasonable expectation of privacy in a public area. You're allowed to record, but then YouTube kowtows to them because they go after sponsors. All right, hold on. Joey Salads, uh, we will, uh, Joey Salads, YouTube.com slash Joey Salads. Listen. You're in for a bumpy ride if you go over there. I'm not going to lie to you, but it is worth it. And uh, hold on, I'll talk to Joey more after this. Lighter with Crowder, if you tune out, you're sexist. And now, Roger Ailes advises Donald Trump. Okay, listen, we're down to the pulse. Those can change at a moment's notice. We found, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing poorly with women, which is bizarre because women love me. But the one thing we've had at our convention, women really responded positively to Ivanka. Ivanka, come out of here. Oh, yeah, Ivanka would resonate positively with young women. That's right, Roger. Okay, so we need to find the best way, okay, to use Ivanka in the campaign. Ivanka, how do you see yourself being instrumental? To the campaign. Well, I was thinking that as a strong, independent... Run! Pumps! I like it when a woman wants a good pair of pumps. Yeah, I'm surprised you know that. I think that with my pedigree... Flip that dress uh, over the shoulder a little more. I don't like what's happening. What? Let the dress fall off your shoulder. Show a little shoulder. Okay, this is bad. I I don't want to slide the dress off my shoulder. Oh, that's no fun. They're all fun. People won't vote for someone who's not fun. Okay, I I, I don't really think I, uh... Loosen your bra. Okay, this Sweet is Sweet just... God, man, okay? For like five minutes. Controller, Roger. Stay tuned for more. When it's time to party, we will party hard. Glad to be back. That was Joey Salads. You can follow him uh, on the on at the, Joey Salads. At Joey Salads. Yep. Here's what. Let me let me answer something. We're going to review Sausage Party here for you in a second. People get have, for the last few weeks have gotten so mad about guests. They go, well, why would you have Gavin McGinnis? Some people. Well, why would you have Ben Shapiro? Some other people. Well, why would you have Glenn Beck? Some other people. And then this week, why would you have Joey Salads? It doesn't mean we're endorsing them for president. Imam Chowdhury, who's now been convicted, who, who's going away, I think forever. Was on the show and basically said, like, yeah, you should die. Told me that I deserve to die on air, pretty much. He was very polite about he it. He was extremely polite about it. Like, you gotta respect that. The people who are offended. Gotta respect that. They shouldn't be listening to this. You really shouldn't. People are, why would you turn up? We don't want you listening to the show if you get offended because we have a differing point of view. Seriously. I would prefer if you didn't watch or listen and complain. That's it. I don't, I don't care. I don't agree with Glenn Beck on, on everything. There's a lot that I disagree with him on vehemently. Same thing with Dinesh D'Souza. Maybe we should just start issuing trigger warnings to be on the safe side. Yeah, exactly. Conservative yeah. conservative social justice yeah. warriors. 
they, they get so triggered. It's like, you know, listen, we, we perfect example, we had Gavin McGinnis and Ben on the same show, exact same amount of time, pro-Trump, anti-Trump. People go, why would you have anti-Trump on? Just just shut up. Uh, really. I don't, I just, it's one of those things. I don't care if you're left. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if you're Trump. I don't care if you're never Trump. Just don't lie to me and we can have a good discussion. I, I, you know, the good thing is when we look through our, you know, our numbers, which we're very grateful for, though we're never going daily, hashtag never daily. So stop asking me on Twitter about it at S Crowder. Uh, obviously the numbers, you know, if you have a few thousand people who get upset, that doesn't really mean anything. But you still do get some people who just furious, furious that you would have the gall, the balls, if I may, to have someone on who could disagree with you. Bizarre. Joey Salads we had on because he asked to come on the show. And, I would uh, maybe understand if you only had like a, one stream of guests right. on. But that couldn't be more farther from the truth of this show. Well, so. Yeah, I, I know. I think we're going to have Sally Cohn on next Sally week. Sally Cohn on, hopefully. We're trying to get on. Who else? Uh, hopefully Kurt Schilling. Hopefully uh, Kurt Schilling. But we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So we're, we're, hopefully we'll get Sally Cohn on, and uh, we'll have that debate. Why would you have her on your show? Shut up, idiot. These people. These people are just ridiculous. These people. The good thing is I can talk this way because I know a vast majority of our audience approves, and they're, they're yep. clapping. The funny thing is they're clapping open conversation. They're not clapping cheerleading. They're clapping to get rid of the cheerleaders. Yeah. If you're a cheerleader, this Tweet your claps. Show. We need some more claps in the I tweets. love that our audience calls us on stuff when we're wrong. I, I adore it. Please do. And we've issued corrections many, many, many times. Okay, speaking of which, uh, people have said they wanted this. We were supposed to start more film reviews, which mm -hmm. would happen if we had a daily show, but that's not the case. That's not the case. Sausage Party. Jared and I both saw it. Oh, here's a funny story. In the parking lot for Sausage Party. Jared knows this. I swear <laughs> I to this, this is true. So I am. Uh, I had knee surgery. My knees it hasn't recovered as I'd like it to. So I have this this roll-on stick, kind of like Icy Hot, but it's essential oils. My wife uses it. It does feel good. It, I, I, it helps. So I, I go, listen, before we go into the movie, if I'm going to be sitting in that chair, it really starts to get sore. Mm -hmm. So I need to put this on, but I can't roll my jeans above my knee. I need to get on my knee. So I say, okay, we're going to park at the end of the parking lot where it's dark. It was a dark parking at lot. At the end of the parking lot, and you guys cover it block for me. I'm going to pull down my pants just to my knee on my left side to rub this on, this numbing sort of oil liquid. I don't know what they were doing because all they had one job to do, make sure that no one, make sure that I wasn't caught with my pants down. End of the parking lot, very dark. You couldn't take a picture with your phone. No. It wouldn't show up. Hey. <laughs> hey. Can I get a picture? I, and it's a fan who walks up in a parking lot with my pants down, rubbing on deep relief essential oil on my knee. And I did get, I zipped up my pants, I buttoned them, I gave dirt, Jared a dirty look, and I gave the They're man a picture. They're possibly listening to me right now. Or possibly. <laughs> uh, it was, and then we walked away and we realized my brother had, he has, he has quite the hairy chest, and he had his shirt, for whatever reason, he was doing completely something. Completely unbuttoned. Unbuttoned. He didn't even know until he walked away, so it's it just looked really It looked really bad. So this really was on the way bad. into Sausage Party. We saw Sausage Party. Uh, my review is not that great. Jared, first off, to... It was funny. It, it had funny parts. It sure. It had some pretty laugh. But it's just... That brand of comedy gets old after... I don't think it, I think they stretched it a little bit too far. Like it would have been a better like half right. hour cartoon. Yes, exactly. It would have been a sketch that went on too long. By the way, yeah. they use the, our socialisms for fig shirt. They use that exact same gag. God hates figs in the food aisle. We did it first. I'm not saying no one stole it. I'm just saying we're not we're not going to n stop selling that shirt once the merch store is open, but it'll never be open. Here's the thing. Everything that was funny about it. I don't have a problem with 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 uh, with dirty humor. Obviously, I think Nick DiPaolo is one of the funniest people ever. The thing is, Nick DiPaolo is just as funny on this show when he's working blue in a nightclub mm -hmm. or when he's providing commentary. 
on television, right? He doesn't need it, but he does it because he likes it. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I start to lose tolerance when you can only be funny if it's filthy, if it's shock humor. Again, I have no problem. Jim Norton, I think, is hilarious. Uh, Bill Burr, uh, Nick DiPaolo. These are some of my favorite comics. But Seth Rogen, my patience is wearing thin because everything is just, yeah, smoke pot and penis jokes and porno. and <laughs> That's everything. You're yeah, like, throw, throw a couple of lesbians. You got a full. Oh, yeah, lesbians, uh, Christians are stupid, and uh, I'm really Jewish and fat. <laughs> I just can't do it. Everything funny about Sausage Party was done better by South Park. Full disclosure. Hint. Spoiler alert. There's a big all, all these uh, sausages and all these. Fo- it's these you know animated. You food would never items. see it coming. You'd never, You'd see, never it coming. see it coming. They all have a giant orgy. Well, listen. Team America did it first. The South Park guys with uh, with Team America, Trey mm-hmm. and Matt. Um, they did a few other things, too, that I was watching going like, gosh, that's remarkably similar to South Park. So I wouldn't recommend it. I certainly wouldn't recommend it if you're easily uh, offended or certainly wouldn't recommend taking the kids to it. But it gets a little too long. You're like, all right, I get it. The sausage is a penis. Okay, Seth Rogen's going to do his his uh, immature man-boy shtick, and we're going to get bombarded with the, the leftist agenda here. Okay, Christians are stupid. All right, all gay stuff. Okay, we get it. And then a big orgy. And that's about it. So I, I don't know. I, I really did think Seth Rogen was funny. And I just, I don't know if I've just, uh, I, I've gotten tired of it. Yeah. I've gotten tired of the shtick. And there are some people where that's the case. And there are some people who are just as funny today as they always were. Um, I'd put Nick in there. I'd put Bill Burr in there. I'd put Louis C.K. in there, even though I disagree with him. I'd put Kathleen Madigan in there. Seth Rogen just needs to prove that he can do some. It's kind of like Quentin Tarantino. At a certain point, you've got to prove that you can do something else. So, Sausage Party, uh, I don't know. Are we doing a star rating system? Uh, I would give it I would give it a three if you're judging it purely on just entertainment. Is this in a five-star system? Or a five-star. Star? Five star. Well, most a lot of film reviews are four-star. You don't even know. We have to con- we consolidate the star system at least. Still kind of messed. Up. I don't know. I give it. I don't give it a good rating. And I got caught with my pants down in the parking lot. Bad memories. We'll be back with Super Mexican. And now for installment forty-two of Clarence McCaskill, worst negotiator ever. You're only making this more painful on yourself. Final warning, bro. Seriously, please, just just do what he says. I I think he'll let us go. No, sweetheart, I understand where you're coming from, but uh, this is not my first hostage negotiation. I'm betting this is yours. Yeah, I I just want to get out of here alive. You hear that, S.A.? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. And sweetheart, I'm sorry, but that's probably not in the cards. What? I know, it's kind of harsh. I know I'm supposed to give you hope and crap, but little known fact about negotiating, uh, particularly with hostages, you have to give one to win one. That's like the worst phrase ever. Seriously, that's cold, bro. I don't know what you want from me. We all know how this ends. Don't you watch the movies? You want to do this dance and, oh, I'll kill her. I don't care, as long as you end up dead. Um, What are you doing now, bro? Um, I can't negotiate on an empty stomach. Man, quit fooling around. Her life's in your hands. Seriously, please, let's just get this over with. You know, that's a good idea. 
pumpkin. If I were you, I'd get this over with as quickly as possible, too. What? I'm just saying, if you can get a loaded gun, you can't save everybody over there, but... Now, you might want to consider offing yourself. Wait, what are you talking about? I've been looking over Paco here's criminal file, and, um... Before he kills you, he's probably going to do some weird stuff with you. There's nothing I can do about that. Oh my god, is that true? No habla inglés. Oh, Clarence. Stay tuned for the next installment of Clarence McCaskill, Worst Negotiator Ever. That music faded out way too quickly. Did you fade it out? Or is that the I way did. it's... It, no. Here we go. Ah, I'm feeling it. Now, now it's going gone. out. Ah, now, now it's gone. All right. Well, we have to bring in some uh. more music anyway because we have our next guest. You know him. You can read his stuff at therightscoop.com. You know him on the Twitter as mm-hmm. at super, S-O-O-P-E-R, Mexican. Hit his intro, not gay, Jared. I am the singing at the party. We're all singing. We're all singing. I am singing. It's my turn to sing. Party. I just realized this intro is formidably racist. At yes. Super Mexican, thank you for being with us, sir. Hello, how are you doing? No, no, let's not. We know that that's not how you sound. Oh, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to do that. No, oh, we, right, well, we we can't because then we're going to get letters from from people who actually sound that way, and they're going to be offended. And <laughs> my cousins. <laughs> yes, yes, your cousins. What percentage are you Mexican? By I the way. Love- I will tell them stop, stop writing letters to Stephen Crowder. He doesn't like it. He does. He does not uh, like it. He's not a he fan. Just don't like it. No. Um, hey, wanted to ask you this because we're going to get into election stuff. You're so you have that sort of you have that Mexican in you. Um, sorry for the phrasing. One thing I know you're not a big fan of Trump, but one thing I've said I don't think if if an immigration policy only affects illegal immigrants negatively. I don't think it's racist. Uh, would we probably agree that one of our of our qualms with Donald Trump probably not the fact that he has a problem with illegals? Oh yeah, I don't care. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm you know I was a uh, Cruz guy, and Cruz was actually to the right of Trump on uh, on illegal immigration. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I get this I get this criticism all the time, and it's absurd. You know, they they see my name and they're like, oh, you're open borders. Like, no, I'm not. I want to shut down the border yesterday. Like, I'm absolutely one hundred percent. You know pro-shutting down illegal immigration, deporting people, all of that. Um, I just don't think this moron is going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in case you didn't know where he lines up. So you've been covering it this week uh, a lot. Obviously, g- give the audience, for those who don't know, just a quick rundown. Trump's shaking up his campaign. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a big shock, I'll tell you. And uh, probably one of the most poorly designed, you know, um, uh, recognitions of, of, of changing your campaign. It was crazy. So it was just, it was just, uh, it, right in the evening, like on, uh, at like midnight, I think, uh, they, they announced that they were going to bring on, uh, they're going to change the, the leadership of the campaign. They're going to bring on Steve Bannon, who is the head of uh, Breitbart News, which is just, I mean, just blows my mind. Like what other campaign has done this? Like had, you know, the head of a of a news blog basically become uh, 
the heart of your campaign. It, it's just insane. Well, they've had just um, as cozy the, relationships, to be fair, on the left with people at ABC and NBC. There's it's it's all the incestuous media political relationship. Yeah, the difference is you don't have to pay them on that side. They yeah, just they, they just do it for free. <laughs> so I do understand. I mean, people are saying there people who are saying, well, they're fighting fire with fire at this point. If the left does it, he should too. Yeah, but it's not like anyone ever ever. Uh, you know, accepted Breitbart as being a, a competent, uh, uh, you know, rational news outlet. I mean, anybody who doesn't love Breitbart, they know that they're biased. It's not, you know, it's not even a, a question there. Right. But, but yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Well, to be, so to be fair, we, though, I mean, when I, you know, when Andrew was alive, I mean, and I, I wrote that. I wrote there quite a bit. So I think at one point, <laughs> oh, I, I was one of the first writers there. I was back with Big Hollywood for Andrew. I had a I weekly column. Um, but I worked, you know, directly with Andrew and, and, and Ben and some of the people who are there now. Not not many people are left, but I, I understand where you're coming. I just have to I have to be fair here because obviously you're on a, you're on a different kind of site and people go, well, he's just biased. But I, you, you're right. It is unprecedented to make this kind of a pivot. But more importantly along with Roger Ailes. So, because I right. know you caught a lot of flack, right, at your site, and a lot of us did too, where they were going, Fox News is just anti-Trump because of Megyn right. Kelly. And I said for a long time, listen, I, I know people, have, half of them are golf buddies with, with Donald Trump. Just because Megyn right. Kelly doesn't like him doesn't mean Fox News is anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. And Do you feel that there's some sort of vindication there, objectively, that, okay, we kind of knew that, that Fox was favoring Trump with the Ailes situation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, that that's the kind of thing where I, people don't understand that, you know, you have your sources and you talk to people that you can't really acknowledge, you know, like I know people, I talk to them and they tell me what's going on, but I can't say that when I write these things up. Right. In that respect, I, I thought it was pretty obvious. I thought it was really clear. I think the more interesting thing now is to look back uh, now that he's on the campaign and ask yourself, what was real and what was made up because back then a lot of people were questioning you know the the uh, feud that was going on because it actually fueled a lot of trump's campaign that these people you know thought that fox news was being unfair to him and they were ripping on each other and they actually got a lot of um they got a lot of ratings boost because of it so yeah i think really kind of fascinating to look back and you know he's he's making us so even more attention deficit disorder than we were before that we only think about what's going on in the last you know half hour right but when you look back it makes it even more fascinating to wonder uh you know how this was all planned out well i don't think there's a lot of collusion at fox with all of the anchors and i mean that's why you see a pretty pretty wide spectrum of people who are pro-trump against trump um i was never told what to say when i was at fox news but i've said this the things i really wanted to say sometimes were like "Mm, let's stay away from that right Right. And that happened. And there certainly was, you know, when the Romney campaign happened, it was it was certainly known. Everyone thought he was the only one who had a chance. Now, I, I didn't hate Romney. I never hated Romney. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when it came down to Romney or, or Santorum, I was like, well, OK, I, I, probably Santorum because I thought he had a better chance in the Rust Belt than Romney. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I agree with him on a, on a whole lot more than Romney. But I remember they made it really clear. It was known like, OK, Fox News, this is this is the Romney house at this point. They never said you can't speak out against him but it was known there was that kind of cloud and so i would imagine that was the same case with with trump i mean think who else is going to be buddies with with fox news ted cruz you know no you know (laughs) yeah of course i i think you're going to have individual people who are fans but but yeah as a as an actual uh, you know a relationship with uh, the head honchos there of course it's it's donald trump and i think what we're we're finding out is that he's had these relationships and he's been 
forming these for such a long time. And so that's why, you know, when you look at what happens, it, it feels like somebody's pulling the carpet from under you because you're like, wow, like, what? how are these people all terribly friendly with this guy all of a sudden? Like, for instance, uh, Judge Janine, right, who uh, who is like one million percent Trump. It turns out that he gave her $20,000 for her campaign a long time ago. And, you know, we don't want to say that she was bought off, but certainly that makes you friendly to somebody, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's not even so much $20,000 as it's the relationship that represents. You don't really do that with someone exactly. you, you don't know. Exactly. Kind of like we just talked with Dinesh. He did that uh, with someone who was a right. friend. They didn't even really right. know he did it. He did it because he wanted her to win. Um, and they, they just they railroaded him for it, and he's the only person in history to have had that happen. He didn't do it because he knew it was a ton of cash. He did it because it was a friend. Um, okay, so you, the reason I want to have you on, too, and, and we don't have a ton of time, you track polls a lot. You're, you're good with this. You often Do you think this is going to work for Donald Trump, regardless of where, where you line up or I line up? Do you think, you know, from a strategy standpoint, this could pay dividends for Trump to shake it up and go with these people? You know what's, what's really odd about this is that um, what he did is very schizophrenic, right? So it depends on whether he listens more to Kellyanne uh, Conway, the pollster, who is the campaign manager, or if he listens to Steve Bannon. Uh, because Bannon is, is very much a bomb thrower, and Kellyanne is not. She's right. um, she's a little more straight line, you know. So I, I think what we saw tonight with the um, speech that he gave is that he's do, he's doing what he should be doing, which is staying on course but being crazy trump about it so you know he was attacking hillary he was staying on about illegal immigration he was being right on target he was being as bombastic and crazy as he usually is but he was picking the right targets not you know a gold medal or a gold star family <laughs> right well i don't have a problem with that i just said i wish he was doing that all along i wish at a, yeah as soon as yeah, the primary yeah. was done no more ted cruz <clears throat> no more any of those people only hillary and I was saying, if you compared well, the tweets, Hillary was has been much more vicious to Trump than the other way around. And I, I found that curious. Sure. Well, that's what I'm saying is that if he he, if he, keep, he keeps doing what he did tonight, I think he's got he's going to have a chance. But wow, does he is he have a, a uphill battle? I mean, he is so down in the polls. I am shocked that the RNC hasn't kicked him out already because it is just a bloodbath right now. And all the people coming out. And, and pitching that skewed poll nonsense, it's absurd. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. They did it with <laughs> Romney, too. And there were a lot of people who thought Romney was going to win, including Dana Perino who talked about it because it was the polls are rigged. And I remember back then going, I don't think you're doing yourself any favors by lying here. Yeah, and but that was close. I mean, you know, it was within a couple of points. Here you're talking about 10 points and you're talking about – uh, you know, a, a bunch of different uh, polls all over the country. It's it's absolutely absurd, but that's the kind of fantasy that they're pitching over at, at Breitbart.com now. You know, like you said, back then it was a little different. I think they were a little more respected and a little more, um, you know, reasonable. But but uh, so, yeah, I think if he stays on course, he's got a chance, but it's still a real uphill battle. It is an uphill battle. I mean, every swing state, I think, except for Florida, it's it, it, no one has ever been this far behind and, and come back to win the ones that I've seen. And the scary yeah. one, the scary one is North Carolina. That's the scary one because he's down by a lot last poll I checked. And they've Democrats have only gotten that, what, two times in the last 26 years? It's been very few. Is that right? Yeah. It's something yeah, yeah. something really outlandish, and he was down by – certainly it wasn't even as close as, as Florida by where you know by which he's up. Uh, super, we have to go, but thank you for the analysis. Where's the best place for people to find you, brother? And you can find me at uh, superbikeskin.com and also at the right scoop.
and uh, on Twitter. It's the best place to. <laughs> yeah, that was a, such a half-hearted Mexican. Fan. Jew can find Jew. me all right. I'm <laughs> not going to keep uh, going with this. What you're you're rushing me out the door, man? I don't know what's going on over here. Well, because we didn't know, we didn't have this, so we have Chad with AIDS uh, coming up because uh, he's uh, uh, he got a very nice letter from someone who was inspired by him, and we wanted to give him the floor. So at and he has AIDS, so and he, and he has the AIDS. Kind of obligated so to. at Super Mexican okay, floor. <laughs> right. We'll have you back. Get your setup uh, there, good sir. At Super Mexican. And uh, thank you very much. We will. Well, after this, we're going to take a uh, we're going to take a break. I'll talk about Larry Wilmore and cries of racism. Did I do that right? Do I have a job? Nailed it. Uh. trigger warning if you need a trigger warning you're on the wrong podcast this has been a trigger warning hey steven what are you doing uh, i'm just browsing ar15.com you mean the site about the scary black rifle with the best prices community and information on the web oh what the hell's the difference ar15.com Kaboom. ar15.com AR15.com You know, they just heard the three takes. You did three takes, you didn't edit it. They can hear you. Glad to be back. That was, by the way, that was the Fox. That was the Fox. People going, what is this? That was from Hot City, H-O-T-T, City. My mother-in-law had a band. Yep. Band aid, and it was a, a contractual obligation with, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Columbia, uh, to do a, a disco. She did put a, a bunch of kind of some BA things back in the day. Backup singer. She's for done a, a lot of pretty stuff. big names. And, well, you would be surprised as to who she toured with uh, with with Joni Mitchell, with Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin. Um, uh, she was on with the Grateful Dead, but she was tw- huge, huge names and recorded with all the biggest recording uh, people. Motown, you know, there are in Detroit. And uh, man, some the story is so funny because I, I I met her a handful of times. And I just can't picture her. Cause she's so just like, just kind of you know. Nice and sweet. It's hard to imagine like bold rock star. She's a walking Disney star. character. I know. When she'd be like, "Oh, do you want some coffee?" And she'd night after night we'll just dance. You're like, except way better. You're like, oh my gosh, you have some pipes. I know. I'm never, I can't picture coming out of it. And she can I really do some soul sing. stuff. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that's what we got that on there. If you approve, you can tweet us at S Crowder. It's bizarre. I know people are thinking like, when well, that was a weird change. Of I'm all pace about it for a bump. So, Larry Wilmore's show got canceled at Comedy Central. Hopefully uh, that'll happen with Trevor Noah soon. Of course, it's <laughs> happened because ratings were cut in half. That tends to be a bad thing, right? Generally speaking, generally speaking, it's a, a general rule. about half. And uh, well, what? Uh, take a guess. Why do you think Larry Wilmore thinks that he was fired? 
Uh, Good thing we have a clip. Good thing. Let's roll it. Although on the plus side, on the plus side, I must say, our show going off the air has to only mean one thing. Racism is solved. <laughs> we did it. We did it. In fact... So, uh, I, here's the deal. Is he just joking? Possibly. Right? Possibly he's just joking. I have something else I wanted to bring up here, but I don't, I don't have it up on my screen. Yeah, but the joke doesn't make sense. It's like the opposite of opposite sarcasm. Mm -hmm. You know, it only means one thing. Racism is solved. Because clearly racism hasn't been solved because you're taken off the air. So the only way you're making a joke is that clearly you're being taken off the air because of race. It's not a good joke. I think you would be the first to say that it isn't a good joke. Maybe if they had some better writers, their uh, ratings wouldn't be so in the pits. Maybe his ratings wouldn't be so in the pits. Uh, he talked about the de-unblackification. Where is it? I don't have it here. The de-blackification. Oh, yeah, the unblackening. I have it right here up on my screen. I've got it highlighted. He said, I guess I hadn't counted on the unblackening happening to my time slot as well. So let me kind of give you a timeline here, okay, with Larry Will. And you're going to see the same thing happen with Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, South African, who comes over here to lecture Americans on racism. Wrap your noggin around that Ain't going to control another issues. Up. Yeah, of course, because it's worked out mm -hmm. so well for where he comes from. That's why he's fled that country to come here for opportunity. So Larry Wilmore takes a show, takes a slot. Just destroy, just kills it. Just just beats it into the ground. Uh, is far far left. Is a total propagandist. Was never even that good on the Daily Show to begin with. I think he can be clever. The show wasn't very funny, and it just became beating the same old drum about racism. Republicans are stupid. Racism. Let, let's do the math here. People say, "Are you are you just bitching about them?" No, we don't just bitch about the media. That's why we create media. That's why we do what we do. So you have some kind of an alternative, and we're very grateful that as many people pay attention as they do. I know it could all go away tomorrow. We're incredibly grateful. But Kimmel, Fallon, Conan. Wilmore, Trevor Noah, Amy Schumer, all every single one. And I don't mean every single one is probably liberal. I mean every single one has been on a political platform to push a candidate or a specific leftist legislative policy at some point. Amy Schumer with gun control. Conan O'Brien pushing gun control. I mean, these, these people, either they're at, a, they're at a Clinton rally or they're at a Bernie rally or Larry Wilmore. So his, he destroys the ratings by constantly beating the same drum of racism, racism, racism. It's social justice warrior comedy. Racism, racism. And every now and then they say, hey, we're becoming too politically correct. It's because of them. The ratings, which I'm sure they would have had meetings with him saying, hey, you need, you need to change it up. Refuse to. The ratings are cut in half. They finally fire him. And he says, racism. Oh, my God. It's, it's gotten to the point where, I mean, listen, here's the, maybe you're just not that funny. Maybe the reason that Richard Pryor was loved, maybe the reason that Eddie Murphy was loved, maybe the reason that Dave Chappelle was loved, maybe the reason that Key and Peele did really well, maybe the reason that Chris Rock did is because they're funny and you just suck. Maybe you're not funny. Maybe it's not because you're black. By the way, this guy, he doesn't even look, he looks like, uh, like uh, Dana Carvey in Master of Disguise doing the Turtles Club. You compare him to Richard Pryor? Come on. Barely passes the sandpaper test. We have one more clip from him. We do have one more clip, and here's why. Just, just so you know the spirit of it, this is not a guy who kind of is left. He decided to sign off on his show. Now he's tipped his hand, so you know all along where he lined up. Roll the clip. So stop comparing the two. Donald Trump is an existential threat to America. And if you love America like me, you have to hope that Hillary Clinton wins every single electoral vote this November. So there you go. Let me just say. There you go. I also love how the second he said, yes. Are you, is mm -hmm. this a comedy show or is this church? Yes. Yes. Preach. So what he just said is if you love America like me, 
meaning if you don't love America, you'll vote Trump. You have to hope that Hillary Clinton wins every single electoral vote. This is why we won't endorse candidates. By the way, I've been critical of Trump. I've supported Trump where I, where I can. This is the kind of thing that makes me want to go out there with a Trump sign, defend him, and pull the lever as many times as I can. You know, find dead guys and dig up their bodies to vote Trump, just like leftists will do for Hillary. Get as many illegals to come in who, I don't know what illegals we could get in who would do the opposite of what the Mexican illegals do to just pull the lever for Trump. This makes me want to defend him so much where he's an existential, existential threat. Therefore, you must we can find Hillary. a good bus and go pick up people who can't get the for transportation. Yeah, Which, exactly. <laughs> Promise them a few free sandwiches if sandwiches. they vote Trump. It is. Th- this is why we don't endorse a candidate. This is why we don't come out and cheerlead. This is why we have to be supportive uh, and critical of everybody. Because guess what? After this, it's a good thing he's going off the air. I could never laugh at him. I could never find him funny. Could you? Could you find Larry Wilmore funny when the guy has openly said, I am deliberately trying to create propaganda. My number one goal here is to elect somebody, not to make you laugh, and the ratings reflect it. That person can no longer be funny. You can be open about it and say, listen, this is what, this is what we said. We, we're very open that we're incredibly biased. Absolutely. We'll listen to all points of view, but I've got an opinion. And I think it's right. If I didn't think it were right, I wouldn't have an opinion. But look at Larry Wilmore. Case in point, that's why we don't do it. But he'll say that it's racism. Maybe it's because you're not funny and you came out and you were pushing Hillary Clinton. And a little hint, half the country doesn't like her. Therefore, half the country finds you obnoxious and uh, the ratings are going to suffer. Half the country, you've pissed off openly. Half the ratings. Who'd have thought? We'll be back with Chad with AIDS. For breaking news on Louder with Crowder, I'm Perry Matheson. It was announced this week that Larry Wilmore and his nightly program on Comedy Central has been canceled due to low ratings. We take you now to exclusive footage to his farewell finale. Um, racism. <laughs> right? Because racism. I know. Racism. That man is a cut-up. We'll keep you abreast as the story unfolds. I'm Perry Malice. All right, we will bring up our guest after, but I have to bring this up. This is on screen from our wonderful sponsors at AR15.com. The open threads there are always oh, very gosh. funny. Someone took Larry Wilmore and put him next to uh, Dana Carvey from the Turtle Club. Look at this. Look at this, Jared. Was I not correct? Bring that up. Bring that up. All right, come on. Come on now. Oh, gosh. That called it. Am I not turtly enough for the Turtles Club? Horrible That's rough. Film. Absolutely terrible motion picture. Terrible. So uh, anyway, I'm super glad to bring up our next guest because it's more of a personal thing, and I wanted to have him on. You folks know him as um, apologies, Chad with AIDS. Chad, thanks for being on the program, sir. 
Hello. It's bizarre that we get emails from people saying, I was so inspired by, by Chad with AIDS as the moniker, and I'm going, I can't believe this is allowed uh, to occur on air. I'm surprised you're not more triggered, Chad. That's, that's the point I'm getting at. I, but I, I cry every day. I just hide it really well. Well, we all do that. Um, so, okay, you got an email. I wanted to read this. There was an email from me that was sent. For those who don't know, Chad has, has openly pushed uh, against the, the leftist Gestapo who fight against disclosure laws with HIV. He's talked about that. Go back to the archives. And I got an email from someone. I, I, I won't uh, give his name. But he said, today I was listening to episode uh, Chad. And uh, my un- he said, my uncle got AIDS from needle uh, needle drug use, intravenous drug use, when he was enlisted in the Navy. He was actually the first person prosecuted and jailed in the state of blank uh, for failure to disclose the law. And he said it was the absolute best outcome for him. While in prison, he got clean. He, uh, When he was released, he met and married a woman. He stayed clean for years thereafter, helped raise a son. It made him a family man. He basically said it was the best thing that could have happened to him because he was out there living a, a crazily risky and harmful to others lifestyle. So I forwarded this to you. Because usually I just get hate mail sent to me. Um, how did you feel reading that, that your story, you know, resonated with someone? You know, I thought uh, after, after seeing so much of the other side, I thought that uh, it was really helpful to, that people took it seriously, that they're understanding the purpose behind what I was talking about. Um, you know, we're, we're in a weird place in the, in the gay community right now where we have this medication called PrEP that's supposed to protect you from HIV. Mm-hmm. We have medications that are supposed to make you undetectable. And as Zach Ford was telling you in your interview with him, you know, it's impossible to transfer it. And uh, now, I mean, in February, there was an article in Pause Magazine that was talking about a man who became HIV positive because he was taking PrEP like he was supposed to, and he had sex with a man who had a drug-resistant form of HIV. And about 1% of uh, people that become HIV positive inherit a drug-resistant form of HIV. It's increasing because we're using the same drugs and there are more and more people getting infected that they're becoming HIV positive to where they can't be treated. But we're supposed to be It's like Zika for penises. Yeah. It's it's a soup it's a super wiener uh, issue. Yeah, it, it is. It's funny because remember he came on and I was going, well, you know what? I, I don't know that that's true. He just said there's no way if your if your viral loads are undetectable, there's no way you can transfer it, so you shouldn't have to disclose it. And I was going, is that true? 100. percent He's like, well, 99 point whatever. And uh, the more I looked it up, the more that seemed entire. There there are several cases. I haven't heard of this sort of super virus like you've talked about people who are on this drug, but it's certainly mm-hmm. more common than the zero percent he made it out to be. And then we have this drag queen, uh, this Irish drag queen, who the uh, the Huffington Post says drag queen makes powerful statement by wearing tiara coated with HIV positive blood to fight HIV stigma. And and, and I'm thinking, we're, we're the most medically advanced place now. We could stop HIV in one generation. And we've got drag queens running around with HIV blood and they're being called brave. And let I me mean, think about this. 1% of people who become HIV positive, proportionally, less than 1% of the H- of the uh, gay population is transgendered and we give them bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, and by the way, there is nothing that I or even the Westboro Baptist Church could do to stigmatize trannies and HIV more than putting them out in a parade with an HIV blood-covered tiara. I don't know who you have to talk to at the secret gay meetings, but just so you know, they don't require homophobes to stigmatize them when they're, they're doing a much better job with that. 
And they're and they're calling it brave. It's nonsense. It um, is pretty brave. If she doesn't, if that if that transgender doesn't have HIV, I'm not going to lie. That that's ironically a ballsy move to ballsy. an HIV <laughs> tiara. <laughs> so I do have to. I I will give respect where it's due, uh, Chad. By by the way, I'd like to point out that for some somehow transgender people uh, managed to use public bathrooms for 60 years until 2015, when all of a sudden it's become an issue. I just. Well, I, it became an issue because of the city ordinance in Charlotte, and then the state had to come out and say, well, okay, that can infringe on businesses. And so people who don't understand it and don't trace it, they just go, well, why did North Carolina have to create a law? Uh, even Ruben was talking about this, and he was actually just, a, it's like, well, because Charlotte did first, and they didn't want businesses to be under a threat because they, they practice their, 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 their privacy rights and say, no, you should use this bathroom. So uh, a lot of people don't know that, and that was kind of a catalyst, and nobody talks about it. Hey, by the way, I, we wrote about this. Did you read about the whole, speaking of this, the, uh, the gender unicorn with North Carolina schools? I did, yes. <laughs> you did. Um, uh, gender unicorn. Basically, they're telling teachers, they're coaching them to not use boy or girl because they find it offensive. And so there's this little unicorn to teach mm -hmm. them about gender identity. Um, uh, your, your thoughts? <laughs> you know, uh, the first thing that, that hits me from the gender unicorn is that the assumption is that we're all queer. It's, it's, a, it's a purple unicorn thinking of a rainbow and and the idea is it, it breaks down gender identity gender expression sex assigned to birth physical attracted to and emotionally attracted to so you can be both now i guess right and they they list uh male female and other right so well there's um, so but, much now whether it's dragon lady whether it's the five-year-old whether it's you know huffpo said things you should never say to a non-gender binary person for those who don't know, that means they could be gay, they could be straight, they could be a woman, they could be a man on any given day, just depending on how they feel. That for people who that's yeah. an actual thing. That's Huff front page at well, formerly Gawker, Huff Post Salon. People who don't understand this isn't some fringe thing. They go, well, liberals hate social justice words. This is mainstream liberalism. This is people who would be in Hillary's cabinet. And and I'm I'm kind of confused now because I've always identified as a purple unicorn. Yeah. But, um, but I don't know if I'm gay. If I, if you, I'm attracted to men, I think, but I don't know what a man is because they have to tell me first. This is true. And and what if what if I'm attracted to a man who is emotionally attracted to men, but is physically attracted to women and identifies as an Hold other? Hold on, this is too much for radio. It's not going to make sense. Let me ask you this. Let me try and let me try and let like me try a, and unpack. It's this. like a Larry Wilmore joke. Yes, it's like a Larry Wilmore joke. And then when people don't laugh, he goes, "What are you racist?" And they go. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, okay, let me ask you this, because I've always wondered this about, about gay people, and I had an answer once from a, a prominent conservative gay person, but I wasn't satisfied. So you're, you're gay, so you're attracted to men. Mm -hmm. Would you date, or would you, do you think, are you attracted to female to male transgenders who haven't gone through the bottom surgery? Nope. Uh, with the bottom surgery, nope. Huh. It's, honestly, because it's, they're, they're not male. I'm attracted to masculine characteristics. It's not just the physical characteristics, it's also the male characteristics. And as masculine as a, as a woman can be, I, it doesn't work. Now, contradictory, the first guy I ever hit on in the gay bar was a girl. But, was that an um, accident? I, yeah, I just I thought he was a cute boy, and they thought, you know, he was, he was a hot Story guy. of my life. <laughs> this is a lifestyle. Story just, of my life. I appreciate and, and, you and, giving and us a window into it. Yeah, they, they played along for a while, and then his girlfriend came over, and I was like, oh, great, I've hit on a straight guy in a gay bar, of course. And no, it was, it was a... But uh, but no, I just... And, and I'll be honest, I can't When does your book come out? Yeah, when does your book come out, Chad? <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to make sense of this or at love least the audio triangle. tapes. 
Good lord. But I mean, honestly, I don't think you. I mean, this isn't. This is not. It's. It's unfair to transgender people. But I don't think a straight man should be expected to be attracted to a man who becomes female, no matter how well that person passes. Their body is still male to resemble female. And I think that is perfectly acceptable for a straight man to say no. I don't know. I don't think a single gay man that I would have, that I know would be comfortable with dating a woman who now resembles a man. Well, that's more common, but I did have a prominent gay conservative tell me, and it's, by the way, people are going to say, it's not Milo. It's not Milo. So we're just trying to read through the lines. It's not Milo. So I don't want people to say, say that. Like three of us. <laughs> no, there, there are more than you would expect. Bruce or Milo. Well, maybe a lesbian. Could be gay or lesbian. Who knows? Could be bi. <laughs> but when I said, hey, you're attracted to people of the same sex. Let's use lesbian, for example. I said, so if you're like attracted to women, I remember asking this question. Very, I was much younger. I was like 22. I said, so you're attracted to the, the feminine form, the be- beautiful form, the curves, how, you know, femininity. Yes. I said, so wh- why do you date uh, 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 tomboys who buy plaid shirts at Orvis, and this person said, "Well, once you break down the the sexual norms that are expected, you're free to love whoever you want." And what I thought about that answer is, okay, that, I understand that here, but then then you lose your your leg to stand on if people say, "Well, then why not pedophilia? Why not something a little?" Because you've basically said the first step is breaking down any kind of sexual or gender norms, and that's how you sort of explain being attracted to women, but being attracted to women who look like men. So for you, in that sense, as a gay person, have you been attracted to, to the, 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 cause you don't come across super feminine. I would imagine if you're attracted to men, you wouldn't want your men to be super feminine, but I, you know, I, 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 I can't really climb into that noggin of yours and I don't claim to. Girl, you kidding me? I, no, <laughs> I. <laughs> now you seem so, you seem more uncomfortable doing that than super Mexican with the Latino accent. I know, right? It's, I, when I try to be gay, I, I, I've come off like a straight guy doing a gay guy thing. I'm much better at being Jewish. Um, <laughs> listen, listen, I, I, I like masculinity. I like it. I can't help it. I like it. It's not a thing that I, I don't know how to, I don't know. See, that was my Jewish. It's not great. Oh, I didn't, um, oh okay. I didn't know why. You know, I have to, you, you see, we don't want to uh, get the letters. So we just let you take the floor. Cause it was like, you pressed a gay guy. Look at the stash. Yeah. This is, but no, honestly, uh, I, I, I'm attracted to masculinity. I don't even know how to really define that. I, but at the same time, it's funny. Most of the lesbians I've ever known in my life looked like two obese men. In a <laughs> two obese men. Yeah. It looks like when the little rascal, oh, at least one obese woman, got under a trench leather. coat. Yes. Yeah. Like the little rascals got under but, a trench coat, only they didn't know they had to go top bottom. They just got side by side with two side heads. By side, Not going to get anywhere that way. No. Yeah, no. I, I, uh, I do know people who are who are very attracted to feminine men and i don't I, I don't know but to me it comes down to if if gender doesn't exist if gender is completely subjective then sexuality makes no sense and heterosexuality makes even less sense because how could 90 some percent of the population manage to understand your gender if you haven't decided it yet so that's compelling it really does i've always thought this the, the transgender really does undercut uh, the the gay issue, right? Because you're saying, well, it's, it's not a mental illness. How it was classified for a long time. This is something that is that is genetic. I, like Milo said, I think there's a component of both nature and nurture. I've always maintained <laughs> that. It's not you choose to be gay. Uh, it's not that. But I think there's, you know, you can see some definitely some trends in in the raising of a lot of gay people or some relationships, and then you can see trends just genetically. It's in their de- they're just I'm not saying a gay gene. 
but they tend to be a certain way, just like some people tend to be unbelievable swimmers like Michael Phelps. But then this turns it on its head if you have to accept this gender fluidity. You have to do away with all of that or it doesn't work. And we we forget that there is choice. Um, your article about you know waiting for marriage was a, I think to me, it's, it was a beautiful article about understanding your your role in your own attraction. Um, certainly you were naturally attracted to women, but you chose how you understood that. Yeah. Um, I think that this idea that there have always just been gay people exactly the way we understand gay people now doesn't necessarily make sense. There, there have been lots of periods of time where homosexuality was more or less socially acceptable. It seems to follow a lot of um, a, a well, richer, we, a more luxury I hate to boot you. Society. We have to let you go. We'll get your, your okay. handle here after the break. Chad, thank you so much. And you're doing a lot of good stuff, inspiring a lot of people who may not fit the mold. And, and I get emails all the time. We really appreciate it. We'll stay tuned. We'll wrap this up with a nice straight bow. Straight bow. We have to. This Week in Feminism. What? Amy, a hashtag? How would creating a hashtag help me more than going to the police? It probably won't, but you will gain a super ton of followers. I don't want to gain followers. I I, want to catch the perpetrator. Sounds like something someone with only 50,000 followers would say. Amy, that's not the point. This guy is still out there. I know, and there's no better revenge than gaining more Twitter followers. No, I need to save other women. I need to stop him from attacking another victim. Oh, I guess. I mean, it could be you. How do you make sure something like this doesn't happen to you? Have you considered gaining 50 pounds? Glad to be back. That got dark. Always does that one. You know why? It's the drowning dance, we call it. For those who listen terrestrially, you can watch live on Thursday nights. Um, And and that's the drowning dance, Back from the Bump, because we're drowning Mm -hmm. in so much content and love. And never dailiness. And uh, and, and firings. Um, We didn't fire Mm -hmm. you yet. We we have to do it, rightfully so. So we we always try and obviously tie this up in a way that uh, that you have a takeaway. one thing I wanted to talk about, I didn't get to talk about with Chad, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter to, to follow him. A brave guy. I, people throw that term around a lot. That is a brave dude who's willing to come out and talk as openly. I mean, the guy's an open book. Sometimes he says stuff where I'm going, gosh, I can't believe you would say that on air. Or I'm surprised that you would open up on air. Mm-hmm. To, to speak out against the, the, the gay community, the LGBTQAIP community, the movement, the way he does, and the flack he catches... Um, I think it's great. I think it's great. And um, and I think I would think it's great even if he didn't line up with me politically. So one thing I also want to talk about with bullies, because Chad knows this, and I do hate bullying of any kind. Uh, we were talking about this with, with 
Dinesh and Chank and, you know, people, they'll attack us online. Uh, it happens all the time. Listen, I, I understand this. We try and invite everybody on to debate. Uh, we're, we invited Sally Cohn on next week. Hopefully she comes on. Let me kind of give you an example as to with the online sort of warfare, trolls and, and people saying, well, what is considered bullying? If you choose to attack somebody... This is my rule. In, in real life, it's easy to see who's a bully, right? Typically someone who gangs up on somebody, right? They bully them. They, they have their gang behind them. That's when they're confident. And then when they're one-on-one, -on -one, they're not so confident. They shrink. That's a bully, generally speaking. Online, if you attack somebody, and we've had this a lot. We've had people at Gawker, uh, Wonkette. Uh, gosh, it's happened so many times. Obviously, the, the Young Turks. If you attack somebody and you're willing to make a video or you're willing to do it on Twitter, or wherever it may be on a website, that's with your audience. That's with the comment section. That's the gang. That's ha ha ha, here's the group of us. And then that person, as we always do, offers you the chance one-on-one, -on -one, right? All right, let's, let's get in the racquetball court and settle it. Let's, let's uh, argue this. Let's have a conversation. And they refuse to show up. That's a coward. Now, it's important to note, if they choose to call out that person, if you choose to call out somebody, you have to provide them some recourse or response. So we've done that with Young Turks. Uh, if Amy Schumer or if Lena Dunham wanted to be on tomorrow, they would be on tomorrow. Zach Ford wanted to be on. He was on. Christopher Titus called me out. I said, okay, let's have you on. Mm -hmm. um, Sally Cohn, Phil Advise. So we, we do we do that. We never call anybody out who we who I – well, I never call anybody out who I wouldn't gladly debate. People may think if, if I'm an instigator, and by the way, I've never obsessed and flooded their timeline or asked if you listen to the show. I, I certainly hope you don't do that and never bull anyone. I never want to do that. I don't want people to be disrespectful to Sally Cohn or to Christopher Titus. I want them to come back on the show. We've always maintained good relationships with, with liberals, even though I'm blatantly against everything they stand for. Uh, but if I call somebody out and they say, okay, let's, let, let's have this conversation, I will make that walk. I will have that conversation every single time. The people who don't, the people who get offended, the people who start Twitter campaigns, YouTube, wherever it is, or if they get on AM radio, if they get on Fox News, and then they don't provide that person any sort of platform or recourse, that's a coward. Because I understand, right? I can't answer. We get all the time people, I can't debate every Twitter egg who shows up with five followers. I get it, right? People put a target on your back when you have an audience. So that's our rule of thumb. Sometimes we've gotten a lot of emails this week. Hey, how do you choose who you'll debate? Well, the first rule is if, if it's somebody with a significant platform, of, and they've called me out, okay, let's do it. Or if it's someone I've called out, ever, I will never do it, and then uh, not provide them the opportunity to come back. Hopefully that helps you. So just think of that, the online gang, that's what it is, and then when someone is, is out alone, that's when you see them for who they truly are, whether it's uh, a Clinton or whether it's uh, an online troll. And I think that's important because we're having a conversation about bullying right now, and it's important to delineate, for example, someone like a Milo writing a bad review about Ghostbusters and being snippy about Leslie Jones and somebody else who starts an active campaign to destroy a career like people have tried to do with Milo, for example, or some people, I think some people have tried to do it with, with me, uh, or people have certainly tried to do it with, with whether it's Glenn Beck, whether it's, whether it's Rush Limbaugh, whether mm -hmm. it's someone on the left, people who do that and then refuse to show up and hide in the shadows. Uh, because when we talk about bullying, people go, someone said something mean and you have Twitter trust and safety cancels now and, and free speech is being infringed. It's important that you define what bullying is. And so sometimes people say you can be a little bit rough on this show. Well, we know what a bully is. And and bullies don't allow someone to come on the show. As a matter of fact, not gay Jared. People have said, well, hey, Christopher Titus got so loud and angry. Why didn't you have Jared moderate? 
Mm-hmm. And you know that I've told you this. I've turned to Jared and I've said, shut your mouth. Don't say a word because it's not fair if they feel like there are two against one. Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future we'll allow you to ask some questions to, to keep us on track and not Time do anything else. Limits or something like that. Yeah. Because, yeah. listen, Jared and I, we work together, but we're friends. And I know that Jared and I agree more. So Jared knows I've said, Jared, don't say anything. It's not fair. Don't chime in. Certainly don't Should chime just in. Just call to me a friend? Me. No. I would never do that. Hug me. Stop it. Why do you go right there? You're going to have so many tweets and conspiracy theories about it. Again, the same point is with racism right now, with the outrage. With Larry Wilmore, he was fired because of racism. Well, you were fired because of ratings. Uh, with uh, with Usain Bolt and Ellen DeGeneres saying, hey, he's fast and I'd like to ride his back like a knapsack to do growth. That's because of racism. Well, it's because he's fast. Or the, so You need to define what racism is. Rape. Well, I, I didn't really want to consent. That's not... Let's define it. Uh, I was drunk. That's not rape. Racism. Define it. Rape. Define it. Bullying. Define it. When you define it, and that's one thing we try and do on this show, whereas people who are dishonest try to hide from context, we try to shine a light on as much context as possible. When you are clear as to the terminology you're using, okay, this is what bullying is, this is what rape is, this is what racism is, then you can have an honest conversation about it. When you try and move the goalposts, and that's where we are right now with the media and as a country, no one is able to have a conversation. Now we have people who aim loaded guns at cops and we call them victims. Now we have women who've, who've felt their sister's hoo-ha like Lena Dunham and we call them victims of rape. Well, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So let's be clear about what we're discussing and only then can we discuss it. Stay tuned for next week.